Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Block Pizza. Gray Block Pizza, 1811 Pico Boulevard in Los Angeles on the way to the beach. There have been moments in my life where my mouth was empty. And then I realized there's a way I can change that. Gray Block Pizza. Get that hitter. Today's episode is uh, a very unique guest. This man has ran across uh, more of the dark arts than maybe anyone. He's come face to face with them. He's he's sat them down. Um, you know him from To Catch a Predator. You know him from his years of investigative journalism. Um, he is something unique. Let's get to know him right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Mr. Chris Hansen. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, and have you, do you get out to Hollywood a lot? I do because some of the production companies with which I work are based out here. Mm-hmm. And so when I was doing the Crime Watch Daily Show, for instance, that's Warner Brothers. They're, you know, right there in the Burbank area. And, right. Uh, and so I get out here frequently. Do you do, uh, crime is so, people are obsessed with crime. They really are. I mean, you look at the show, for instance, Killer Instinct that, uh, is on Investigation Discovery, the ID network. And that network literally has either the first or second number of female viewers from that coveted demographic. Yeah. Not just of cable, but in all of broadcast. Right. And people watch. Because females are, those are the ones most likely to be like shopping and spending money with advertising, right? Well, I think, taking care of homes I think that's like part that. of it. Uh, we also get a very healthy, you know, male viewership on, on, you know, the various crime shows that I do. I think what draws people in is this attitude that I try to bring to every show where, you know, I take the viewer along on a journey of discovery where mm-hmm. they get to see things they wouldn't normally see, hear things they wouldn't normally hear. Yeah. You know, I get to go places mm-hmm. that most people don't get to go. I yeah. get to talk to people uh, yeah. most people don't get to talk to. And so that's fascinating for the average viewer. I think. Yeah, it's kind of almost, I wonder if you seem to me like as, because I would consider myself a, I guess basically like this, I would consider myself probably a female viewer. I mean, I've watched so much of those types of programming. I mean, not really, but I mean, it's almost like, yeah, I guess I'm almost in, in that demographic. But you, or you're almost like a liaison, you're like, I can't tell sometimes if I'm like, you're, you seem like an Edgar Allan Poe of sorts, you know, <laughs> or like a... Um, like a concierge to like uh, the dark arts or something a little bit. I mean, I know you're reporting and you're sure you're the you're kind of the the Sherpa, but um, well, that's valid. Uh, you look at some of the different investigations we've done over the years, and yeah, you know, I do you know occupy a unique space in television yeah. and journalism, and it's been crime, and I've been at it literally. For some thirty six years, yeah. I started very young in the in the business. I was six, no, <laughs> but uh, but you know, so so it's true. You know, I was at a um, a uh, news conference in in um, uh, L A. one time for kicking off a show, and and uh, one of the print writers who covers broadcast for Gannett, mm-hmm. who has covered me for many many years, said, "Did you ever go to therapy or get counseling for all the dark stuff you you?" and see i said no it's all kept down there nice and safe you know, it's, I, where i like it you know, i'm good <laughs> do you do you ever think that those types of things like that subconsciously though that interacting with you know such a dark 
you know, a Voldemorty cauldron of the universe kind of that that can impact you like on a level that you're not able to. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at people sometimes uh, like, what's that guy up to over there? What's he doing over there? Or you think through scenarios where something bad happens and you have to react, not just as a journalist and covering it, but you're in the middle of it. Right. And it's been interesting because uh, my two sons are in the business. now, mm. So one is a, assistant cameraman and a production assistant on my shows and many, many others. And the other's a, um, a reporter in Traverse City, Michigan. He just got a job in Oklahoma City. Oh, nice. So, you know, they've grown up in this. Yeah. And, and you see it affect them a little bit. You know, we finished a season of Killer Instinct and uh, my oldest son looks up at me and goes, man, I am just murdered out. I got to go do some food shows for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I need to focus on some a flea flan. market flip or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, I need, I need, I need some food brulee fast, yeah, Dad. I, I, I got to go see Mr. Ramsey. You know? um, when you go mm. back to going back to talking about how women watch a lot of those types of shows, do you feel like there's something secretive in women or something that? Like, I've always had this weird idea that some women, like, want to be murdered in a weird way. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a drastic statement, but, like, there's something about it. What is that? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question, and I think it's, it's a lot of things. I think that, you know, women empathize with victims. Mm -hmm. I mean, men do, too. I right. Mean, you get a lot of, you know, grizzled male cops who watch these shows all the time and Wall Street guys and business people and, and, and you know, all shady comedians, line, shady comedians, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I, but I do think that for whatever reason, uh, again, our key demographic on a lot of these mm -hmm. shows skews female. Do you think killers seemed like tall, dark and handsome in a way to women? Like, is there, is there like on a, like a different level? Do you feel like there's some romantic thing? Cause yeah, for some reason in my head, I'm like women secretly all want to have someone, break into their home or something. Nah, I don't buy that. I think it's it's more of, all right, I'm going to learn how this stuff happens so I don't become a victim mm. myself. And that's kind of the way I look at these shows, these investigations, is if we can hear the voice of a victim or mm -hmm. a victim's family, if we can get into the mind of a criminal, whether it's a killer or a predator or a you know, sex trafficker or human trafficker or somebody dealing heroin and in Dayton, Ohio, mm -hmm. you can better understand how it all works and you can prevent other people from falling into that trap of becoming a victim themselves. And yeah. that's a big part of what I do. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, after, um, like to catch a predator and, you know, that, um, do you feel, did you feel like a hero, like at certain points during that show? Like, did you feel, how did you feel like as that show went on and you guys were, you know, you guys were catching, um, I guess, I don't know if they're pedophiles or perverts at that point or what the well, term is. predator, I think. Okay, is, predators, is, there is, you go. Is the right term. I mean, pedophile has a very distinct definition in psychiatric circles. Uh, people use it all the time. It was in the New York Post today on the flight here. Yeah. So, you know, people use that, but it, predator is the best way to, to put it. And and when we first did the um, those investigations, the first one was in Long Island. And I remember driving out there thinking, geez, what if nobody shows up? What if I've just wasted thousands and thousands of dollars of the network's money? And within seconds of that thought, my producer was on the cell phone saying, where the heck are you? We've got two guys coming in 45 minutes. And Jeepers. 
all of a sudden 17 guys show up in the course of three days, including a New York City firefighter and several others. And you can imagine that first investigation. I mean, we had security and Mm -hmm. we had precautions and we had the the online decoys in the house and we had it all set up, but we didn't really know how this was going to go down. So I've got transcripts all over a dining room table in the next room. And I walk out to confront the third guy who comes in. And I'm just trying to keep my heart in my chest at this point. So you are you actually nervous when you walk out there. I, I was, especially on the first one. Now, you right. always are on edge because you don't know what you don't know. Right. You don't know what is in his pocket. I mean, we take precautions. We know the background. We know if they've got a concealed weapons permit and many other things that we- So you have as much intel as you can, but you research. don't- But I, you know, I walk out there and I confront this third guy in the first investigation. I said, it says right here, you want to do this, that, and the other thing to a 13-year-old girl named Susan. No, that's not me. Excuse me. Go back, get the other. Uh, what about a 14-year-old named Beth? No, that's not me. Excuse me. Come back. You know, a, uh, a 12-year-old named uh, Betty. Yeah, that's me. Okay, good. We can wow. start. You know, and it was just, it was that. Oh, wow. That, there was that much. That was, there was just, you know, obviously we refined it as we went along in the most recent investigation. But literally you were like saying, oh, the, oh, sorry, I had wrong the wrong guy. transcript. Yeah. I got the wrong recipe. Right. I need to go back and oh, find yeah, the other. Oh, yeah. And I got to get the one. So, you oh, know, we, we refined God. it over over time. And, you know, we the most recent one we did, we now call it Hanson versus predator and we're mm-hmm. getting ready to do another one uh, very soon and um, you know we have it down to a system but there's always that unexpected possibility mm-hmm. you know and again we have security the police are doing a parallel investigation so I feel very safe the crew is very safe but there are a lot of moving parts here mm-hmm. and we essentially set up a television production studio in another part of the house because you know most of what we get in terms of video is with hidden cameras yeah so, yeah, I'm seeing that, and I'm seeing the lights kind of hidden. Yeah. Like, I've worked with Howie Mandel on some hidden camera shows, sure. so, like, even when I'm able to watch some of you guys' work, it's like, you know, I'm even able to see some of the just the same parallels, you know, because a lot of the production kind of stuff is the same. Did you, when these guys, like, did you feel, like, as a viewer sometimes when I would watch that show, sometimes I would feel, like, remorse, I would feel, like, anger, um, you know, I'd feel sorry sometimes for the person that was getting uh, captured. Not that, like, in one part of me, if you asked me any day of the week, like, what do you think about, you know, people that molest children gonna, or something? Yeah, yes, I would say, child for sex. you know, they'd be damned. Yeah, you know, like, but but in that moment in watching it, sometimes I felt bad for them. What is that? Well, sometimes I'm the prosecutor, the detective. Sometimes I'm the psychologist just trying to get in their heads and have them talk to me. And sometimes I'm the the dad, you know, when it's a younger guy. Yeah. And I do sometimes feel empathy for some of these characters. Uh, and everybody wants in, in our society, uh, one size fits all. This is how we treat the problem. Yeah. And the reality is that, you know, not all these guys are the same character. Uh, they're the hardcore you know, guys who would go after kids no matter what. You know, yeah, posing I saw some as of those guys in their fifties and sixties. Right, they'd yeah. be at the playground with or without the internet. The middle section is are, are, are guys who do this because they have the access to the internet, the twenty four hour access, yeah. the anonymity, and and just the ability to be on there and continually chase their fantasy. And all of a sudden, they cross this line between fantasy and reality and they're knocking on our door and they're there and then you've got the younger guys who may be socially inept and i'm not defending them one bit but these are guys who you know made a mistake and they can probably get probation for a year right and, and 
computer monitoring and they'll get scared straight. Yeah, I saw there were some guys, yeah, like in their 19, 19 and 20 year old, yeah. you know. I mean, um, we usually don't even, the decoys don't even engage somebody unless they're 21, unless there's a extenuating circumstances. Right, so you guys, so at a certain point, the decoys started to really seek out, like, oh, these guys are a lot more predatory than maybe some young, some guy who's 18 years old might be just a little bit more on the perverted fringe or something? Well, we don't seek them out. Right. We have a very strict protocol. Okay. So the online decoys mm -hmm. um, will go into various social platforms, and they'll create a profile uh, that is unmistakably of an underage child. Right. Uh, picture, age, everything there. And they don't contact anybody. They get contacted. I and see. then the alleged predator has to make the sexual uh, suggestion first. Otherwise, we don't engage. I mean, we don't go out and say, okay, here's a 44-year-old man. Let's see what he's going to do if he's approached by a, uh, a mature-looking 13-year-old girl. Yeah. That doesn't happen. That, you know, then it's a gray area. What we do is you know, pretty much black and white. Yeah. Was there ever a predator that came in that brought tears to your eyes that, like, that, you, that really like, hit you like there was... Not because I was sorry for them, but I remember one, you know, people always ask, what's the most memorable moment? I said, well, it's a, you know, a hundred away tie for first because they're all memorable. But right. there was a fellow in Fort Myers, Florida, who showed up to meet a 13 or 14 year old boy, uh, clearly uh, had solicited this boy for sex. Mm -hmm. And he shows up and he pulls up in a SUV and we're watching on the monitors and he goes around to the the uh, passenger side rear door. And we think he's going to pull out pizza or DVDs or something. Was it a and red SUV? I feel it like was, I It that. was uh, bluish green. Sorry, yeah. I'm yeah. Wrong. He, there were plenty to, yeah. to go around. So anyway, he gets his five-year-old son out mm. of the car, out of the child seat, and they walk up the driveway, and I'm like, oh. How am I going to handle this one? But where does that hit you? Does that hit you at that moment? It, hit me it hits you just as a reporter, like how I'm going to, like a, like a logistically? No, it, was, it took the, the breath out of the room. Now, these guys. Yeah, that's sad. Uh, who I work with. I mean, I've had them around the world. We've been in Africa and India and, and Cambodia on all kinds of heavy-duty investigations over the years. And these guys were silent, mm. some in tears. And so he walks in. Yeah, it with even his hits boy. me even when hearing you say but that. I mean, just he's really got a five year old sad. kid with him. Yeah. And I don't think he was going to involve the kid in the sex act. He was going to put a Barney DVD on in the next room or, you know, some, some child show. And he walks in. I said, Look, I'm Chris Hansen. You know why you're here. I know why you're here. I'm not going to subject your child to what I normally do. And he left, and a female officer scooped him up. Mm. And uh, the child up, and and he was arrested, and um, all the while, his wife's at work on a Sunday, yeah, in a retail store, and he's run around town doing this, yeah, and it's it's and it, a lot of that type of behavior, it seems like, um, you know, I'm like in recovery and stuff like that, so I'm in a lot of a world right. where you see a lot of people who struggle with stuff and they try right. to get through their demons. I've actually met friends. I have a friend now that's a flasher, you know, which is yeah. crazy, right? It's crazy, but it's also he's a regular guy and right. he has this compulsivity right. that like he's like sometimes I'll go walking my dog and halfway down the block i realized i don't have my dog you know right like so you like start to see some of the stuff that goes on in his head right um do you feel like a lot of these guys that that are 
predators? Did something happen to them? Like, were, are you able to see any of that, like, or, or learn about any of that, like, lineage? Is there any lineage in that? I, I think thing? there's been some linkage there, you know, among some of the 300 plus guys who have surfaced in our investigations. Um, it's hard to tell because once, you know, they're off our radar, they're either in prison or in counseling or doing whatever. I think a lot of it is really just the opportunity mm, yeah. and and the ability of of these guys to reach out to underage. Yeah. I mean, remember when we first started doing these investigations, we merely used chat rooms on Yahoo and AOL. Right. And that was just a little box. That was you just don't know. it. Yeah. Just it. That was it. I mean, I remember one time when Yahoo lost uh, all power because of... Uh, a fire mm -hmm. on the West Coast. And we were down. We were done. We couldn't put our um, decoys out there, and we couldn't communicate with the alleged predator. And we actually had to stop the investigation for a few days till it came back up. So that just shows you how how, how the internet right. is integral in and that. And look at today with Badu and Kick and all these other um, you know social platforms. Twitch, and all these things work. All of it. Um, the children interacting with vi on video games with people that they don't know. One of my producers was having a conversation with, with his teenage son. Mm -hmm. I want to say he was like 14, 15 at the time. And he said, what's that on your cell phone? He goes, oh, well, this app where you can randomly talk to people who are just on the app. And he said, well, show me how it works. And he dials somebody up and, and it's a, it's a 42-year-old woman who says, or someone who identifies themselves as a 42-year-old woman says, I'm just jumping in the shower. I'll call you when I get a towel around me. You know, he's like, no, 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 no. We're getting rid of that app right wow. now. You know? But just without even trying. It's such a gateway. It was a random you know, connection. Do you feel then like that there's some... Like sometimes the internet, I mean, even for myself, like I've struggled with, in my life with like um, relationships, commitment. Um, I think a lot of it is probably from, or some of it, some of the things have been from growing up issues I had. Some of them, though, I've struggled with watching pornography growing up and like using that as like an outlet to feel something good about myself right. sometimes in a, in a whatever wrong way that is, right? Um, but but I can see how that web can get tricky and you can get down that staircase and it's excess. It's like having the it's devil. Yeah. It's addictive. It's Sh like, it's like an opiate. Should there be laws or more restrictions against that? Well, it's hard to make laws because the whole notion of the internet is it's ubiquitous nature and, and you know, all the, the access is, is right there. I mean, I think there's a responsibility for parents to mm -hmm. regulate children on the internet. I always right. say uh, that, you know, the golden rule should be that if you don't know the person in real life, you shouldn't be chatting with them or mm. giving personal information to them on the internet because the person who is a stranger on Tuesday can groom kids into being their best buddy by Friday. Yeah. It's very dangerous. You know what's interesting? I used to do this thing called crank texting, right, Chris, right. where I would basically take – I took my phone number one day, and I changed the last two digits of it, and I just sent out a random text to that number, and I said, hello, right? So my last number – my name, my number ends in 6-7, so I changed it to like 7-4. Right. And I just said hello and sent a message out. And then somebody texted me back, and they're like, hey, who's this? And I was like, oh, it's Alan. Made up a name. And that person's like, oh, Alan from so-and-so? And I said, yup. And next thing you know, they thought I was Alan. So then for a while, I started doing this thing where I was just crank texting like masses of numbers. I would send like a, hey, what's up, to like large groups of anonymous cell phone numbers that I didn't know. 
And one time I found myself texting. It was some kid who's like after school or something. They thought they're in like a band or something at school. And they thought I was some friend of theirs who was in the band, right? And I realized, holy, this is crazy. Like, I'm just here goofing around, like trying to like do like prank calls, but on text. And next thing you know, I'm communicating with a kid who thinks I'm a, a immediately a peer of theirs, you know? They assume. I, it's, you know, I, obviously I do a lot of social media for the shows mm -hmm. and for what I do for a living. And, and, you know, the vast majority of the people on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, they may be listed as friends, but I actually don't know them. Right. And it's shocking sometimes what people will expect from you, will say to you, and yeah. you really don't know sometimes, do I respond to that? If somebody identifies themselves as a live-in nanny in Washington State who suspects the mother's boyfriend has you know, uh, improper interest in the daughter she's mm. babysitting, wh what do I do about that? You know, it's a real quandary. Right. You know, I, I, that's I a don't real wanna, thing that could come into your social media It happened media last box. week. I'm and this sure. is why, you know, I get these every day. Oh, I'm sure. And so is it a prank? Is it real? What is my social responsibility to wow. deal with it? You know, normally I alert the police or I tell the person to alert the police. And if they have a, a problem with that, I'll facilitate it. But... If I give them advice and it goes sideways, right? Are you? Do you have some liability? Do, do I have some it? liability, or, or you know, how do I know that somebody's not trying to set a guy up? Right. You know, you always assume the worst when somebody reports that sort of thing, but you never know, and you don't even know if that person is who they say they are. Yeah, yeah. Somebody could screenshot that and say, "Chris Hansen said my husband is a sexual predator." Absolutely. Something. Yeah. And so you, you try to do the socially responsible thing, the journalistically responsible thing, but you have this gray area where, wait a minute, who am I, who am I actually talking to? Or, yeah. you know, someone to say, hey, can you talk for a minute? Well, I'm on an airplane coming out to LA. <laughs> no, I can't. You know, and I try to be right. I try to engage too. It's hard in all this stuff and, and, and answer um, all the questions and, and to be helpful. But it's 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 difficult to follow. And again. You really don't know who all these people are. Yeah, and you're kind of a linchpin in a strange way because a lot of reporters and a lot of journalists and investigative journalists, you know, they have the – it doesn't have – their thing does, hasn't hit home and so, with so many – you know, it hasn't – I don't know. You have – yeah, you're like, the, you're like the person that people think of when they think of anything in that world, you know? Like I thought of John Walsh and I thought of you. Like, I mean, you know, like just in, in terms of like – you know, just like helping out children or dealing with issues with children, you know? Well, it's really hit home with people for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, I only half jokingly tell the story of of being uh, uh, parodied on South Park yeah. some years yeah, ago. Yeah, I saw that and, last and, night, actually. And my kids were uh, both in high school at the time. And um, it was the only South Park that season they didn't see. For some reason, they went to bed early, and I didn't know it was going to be on. So I get a call from one of my agents on the East Coast saying, South Park is doing you right now. It's pretty funny. And then about 20 minutes later, it's taken a dark turn. Because wow. I was on the West Coast, oh, yeah. so I didn't see it till you know three hours later. And it's fine. Look, they're right. brilliant guys, and they're yeah, about Yeah, they're satire, brilliant, and they also and use a lot of people to just get funny. It's fine, yeah. and, and they... Look, yeah, it was dark. Would I have written it that way? No, but I'm not a comedian yeah. like you or, or, you know. Matt Groening or those guys, right? No, Stone that's not and, South and Park. Parker. No, Stone and Parker do the Trade, yeah. Yeah. And, and they're genius. They really are. Now, you can take issue with whether it's appropriate or whether, you know, uh, <laughs> you like it or not. But in my son's eyes at 
you know, 16 and 18 years old at the time or whatever, you know, that was, you know, I had made it in right. their book because Chris Hansen was Oh, the dad's cool now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all the kids at high school the next day were like, oh, man, your old man was on South Park. Yeah. You know? So that was, you know, that was the benchmark. But, you know, it hits home with a lot of people. And, and look, it's very serious subject matter. Right. It's a very serious crime. At the end of the day, just like any other investigation, we're trying to educate, create a dialogue that didn't exist before and awareness that didn't exist before. Yeah. And, and we've done that. We will continue to do it. And, and the big lesson, I think, is that, you know, enterprise journalism is still very important using techniques like hidden cameras mm-hmm. and, and computer-aided reporting and things like that. You know, you you really can make a difference, but you got to get inside the crime, right? And it's sometimes difficult. It's sometimes expensive. It's sometimes dangerous, and you have to get, you know, the network to buy off on it. Was there a lot of pushback when? Um, was there a lot of pushback when you guys first pushed uh, to to catch a predator? Was there? There wasn't pushback, but there was um, an issue where some of the people didn't get how to promote it. And I had a very blunt meeting with, uh, with higher ups in the, in the chain of command. And I put it this way. I said, there's a man knocking on your back door who wants to have sex with your 13 year old daughter. Tonight, we're going to show you how to keep that from happening. Mm. And suddenly it was on TV. Yeah. Was there parts where, so as it, cause I mean that it was like a, it was like being on the endeavor, you know? I mean, th- that, that show that it was like a spaceship. I don't know. That's not the one that blew up. Is it? I hope not. The challenger. Okay, good. Yeah. So it was like being on the endeavor. I mean, that thing was a rocket, right? Right. Did, was there parts though, where it started to become too much like, okay, let's, Chris, we want you to talk to him more. We want to watch this guy fry out there kind of stuff. Like- well, I think the goal has always been to to get inside these guys' minds, whether it's this or whether it's somebody who's, you know, trafficking young women in here in Los Angeles or in Atlanta. And look, anybody can jump out of the bushes and create, you know, 10 seconds of dramatic video. Right. My goal is to get the guy to have a seat and to explain to yeah. me what brought him into the situation. And more often than not, they will sit and talk. Now, they yeah. may run their line of BS and say, I was here to check on the girl. I was worried about her safety or I was just going to you know, be a mentor to this young boy. And, 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 and I've heard all the excuses that you can possibly imagine. But you know, I want to know. Yeah. And oftentimes, these guys will open up and say, you know, I, I just got caught on the internet. And, and, and as I got older, the people I was talking to got younger mm-hmm. and, and I just had this fantasy and... You know, it seemed like it was going to be okay. I mean, I've had guys in the latest investigation mm-hmm. that aired, you know, last year. Is this true crime daily? Is it a uh, crime was, watch? This is a part of crime watch. So we did crime Hanson watch. versus Predator. Yeah, I was watching on, some of on, that. On crime watch. And, you know, we had a guy show up, an insurance executive from Boston, drove all the way to Fairfield, Connecticut, brought pizza, offered me pizza, offered the crew pizza. But he had in his car a quote-unquote marriage contract that he thought would make it legal yes. for him to have sex with the I saw him, and he sat and ate pizza, ate pizza, and he had the contract, right. yeah. We had a guy show up who was an employee of one of the cable companies who was on the waiting list to become a police officer in Connecticut, who, when they searched his car, they found a loaded gun, uh, duct tape, mm-hmm. a camera, and a knife. Oh, that's hide and go seek in, in Afghanistan. I feel like, right? But um, but yeah, no, that's that's um, I mean, that's scary. 
What's he going to do with a 13-year-old girl once right. she goes for a ride with him? Right. To give, quote, unquote, a driving lesson. Right, yeah. What if some, what if, yeah, say if one behavior, right, right, a sex act occurs, then he still has these wet, like, what oh, is yeah. it, then where does his mind go that he doesn't even know his mind is about to go right. to another place where the and next thing And it escalates. You know, and what if she, you know, says, hey, wait, this is too much for me. I'm only 13. Yeah, and, uh, and he kills her. Yeah. Anything could happen. You know? Did you, did you, it's interesting to me that, like, when it goes from online to real life, like that's really a lot of what I feel like when I'm watching your, like that's what I started to see, like, oh, this is wild because this is something that, you know, it's this fictional universe online. It's, I mean, it's real, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not tangible. Right. You know, it's, so your brain can go to kind of dark places, but not really be doing dark things. What happens, I think, sometimes, and you mm-hmm. hit it right on the head, is that men will say things online that they wouldn't say face-to-face, not to a woman, right. certainly not to a 13-year-old or 12-year-old girl. Yeah, I'll even text things when I'm dating somebody that I wouldn't probably be maybe Well, you think about it later and, uh, and, say, and say, you know, that's not, you know, kosher. You right. Know, it, it just, but I think people get ahead of themselves yes. texting or online. It feels safer. It feels... Right, it, you're one step removed, and, and it feels safer. And suddenly, this line gets blurred, you know, at some point between fantasy and reality. And that's when these guys step over, and as I said earlier, come knocking on our door to fulfill this this fantasy that's building inside them. Did you ever feel so? Were, were you the executive? Were you the one calling your own shots as well as? Were you directing yourself? Well, there was a whole team when you so, were with Ticket you know, Obviously, we have a, a right. There's a, a whole team producer, right? and we have the crew, and we have uh, security and everything. But you know, generally, you know, I'm out there without a net. Um, we did try one time having a an earbud so I could communicate, and I honestly didn't like it because it was. I don't when I'm out there, whether it's on those investigations or others. Mm-hmm. If I'm listening to somebody, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do next. It's like it's like right. doing an interview like this and having a list of questions and going from this to that. The first thing I do when a producer hands me a list of questions, is I put them on the chair, right? Or you hold these, and and when I finish, if there's anything else you want me to do other than what I've done. Right. Because an interview, as you know, because you do them, you know, every week. I'm learning, yeah. Is 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 getting inside somebody's mind. And it's more about listening than looking down at the legal pad for yeah. the next question. Well especially these days, I think audiences want more authenticity. I think audiences feel like they've been so and I feel like they have. It became such a pattern with television to create, like, you know, such a, a specificity, you know, fueled by advertising kind of thing. You know, like just a bad, it just became watered formulaic. down. Formulaic. Yes, formulaic. Thank and you. this is, this is why I think, I think uh, this investigation and others like it have um, become so popular with people is because you don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, I always say a good interview is when I look back at the producer and I say anything else, and he or she says no, and I'm drained. Yeah. You know, whether it's with uh, somebody who almost became a murder victim, somebody who is a relative of a murder victim, somebody who's a detective who investigated a murder, or any of these other cases that we delve so deeply into. Um, Do you, would, did you, um, did you ever follow up personally with any of those people? Like, was there ever, is it always like a work? Does it always feel like a work kind of? Or are you able? Was there ever any where you're like, you know, I need to, 
I need to follow up with this. I person. think it'd be interesting to go back and see what some of these guys are up to, and and we're talking right now about doing that. Yeah, um, and I think some would do it. I think somebody would say, you know, you put me on TV doing something bad. I never want to hear from you again. I hate you. Um, you know, it, it, there are people posing as some of the predators caught in the stings. Mm-hmm. You know, on social on media, social media and online, reaching out, and I. I have a hard time wow. believing it's actually them. Right. I think it's somebody's sick prank. But um, I, I think that would be worth doing because I think there are going to be guys who are angry and didn't change. I think there are going to be guys who are repeat offenders, and we know this. Yeah. And I think there are going to be guys who say, you know, I, I've had some therapy. I've figured this out. I had some time to think about it, and it's it's wrong, and they're probably not going to reoffend. But when you get to the hardcore... yeah person, you know, and you talk to the psychiatrist who interview them in the prison where they have no uh, reason to, to not tell the truth, two things are, are common. Mm-hmm. One is if they've done it once, they've done it at least a handful of times. And two is there's a very um, strong correlation between the viewing of child pornography and the commission of solicitation of a child. Wow. Almost always. Do you think we are able as humans, especially like, um, do you, especially as men, to be able to withstand the the fire that is coming off the internet, like the internet and social media? Like, are we even built to be able to? I think to so. I mean, it? at the end of the day, you're just as responsible online as you are in person, right? But and it's so different. It is different, clearly, as we've discussed. But I, I still say that you know, in this case. You know, right is right and wrong is wrong. Right. I mean, I don't care what people are doing if they're adults and it's consensual online. Right. Uh, that's not my business. I'm not the moral arbiter of society, but you can clearly say that soliciting a child online uh, yeah, undeniably. is illegal yeah. and, and wrong on every level. And you create a, a victim there at a very young age who's scarred for life. Do you, f- uh, undeniably, do you feel though that, that like the, like, I guess like there's I just feel sometimes like it's hard to battle against not against the child pornography type of stuff but even if you just start with pornography right like it's hard to like it's such a it's such an opiate in a way you know it's, it's such oh, a it's addictive there's no question it just feels like it's unfair sometimes like when I think about the young men now you know like I didn't have as, as much access like when I was young we had dude, when I was young we had a guy that would draw a picture of a woman for us for right. the weekend, if we wanted, like, if I wanted to see, like, some genitalia or something, they had this guy, Nick, would draw pictures, well, and you'd buy it from him for a couple dollars. You know, I'm of the age where, you know, we buried Playboy magazines in the woods. Oh, yeah, and, I, that and, was, and that I dug was, them up. And, 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 and it was, it was, it was, you know, not even that racy by today's standards. Yeah. Um, it just makes you wonder, like, if kids see that or young people see that, then do other darker things seem less, you know, what the, 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 those aren't real to them, you know, if, like just, just the effects of that and us not well, knowing those. I think there are studies that, that will prove that's true, that, you know, the repeated uh, viewing of pornography and child pornography especially oh, yeah. is, is addictive and it, it creates addictive, you know, illegal antisocial behavior. And the antisocialness has a lot to do with it too. Right, and that feeds trapped. into the internet. Right. So, I mean... Who needs Playboy magazine anymore when you can go to Google yeah. and find out whatever you want? 
I have blockers on my phone and computer. Um, not for any child I've never had, you right. know, but just from pornography. Like, I don't want that influence anymore. Well, you, you know, you get a friend request on social media. Yeah, and it can have breasts in the it, picture. It, it, it's yeah. just like delete, 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 delete. And you don't know what what's up or whether it's real or somebody's creating something or somebody wants to create a linkage that doesn't exist. I mean, but you see it. Yeah. How many women reach out to Chris Hansen because like there must be like a wild web of ladies out there that are intrigued by you know kind of this Clint Eastwood of pedophiles kind of you know it's pretty tame really to be honest I mean you know there are some texts like that or, or messages on social media like that but generally like you know, ninety five percent of them either you know whack jobs, right? Who are yeah. saying something absolutely outrageous, like you know you should burn in hell for what you do to these innocent men. You know, it's like come on, it's not even worth responding to. It's block, 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 and you know move on. And most of it's like we've got a situation in our neighborhood. What do I do? Or thank you for what you do. Or you should look into this. Or you know, city council member and whatever city is is up to no good. You know, it's it, it's mm. mostly story related. Right. Or it's my mom, you know, putting out pictures of, you know, my nieces or, you know, it's... It's, it's mostly on brand kind of stuff. Really. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing really. Yeah. But do you feel like though that there's a, I mean, I feel like a, you know, especially with so many women watching that type of programming that they would see you as like a, you know, you're kind of like a Hugh, like not that you're a Hugh Hefner, but they would envision you like that. Well, I mean, I think some people have fun with, you know, graphics of you know, oh, yeah, my head on a James and all that, yeah. body or, or with it. <laughs> there was one the other day and, and, and I sent it to uh, my significant other with, you know, I was in like all built up muscles and oh, chains yeah, and rings yeah. and stuff like that. I said, yeah, definitely. Is, I said that, that Peloton bike's been working for me. I feel pretty fit these days, you know. Did you, um, you know, a lot of people when they think about, you know, you guys' show, there's a lot of, of To Catch a Predator and some of that work um, and Crime Watch Daily, right? Is that, right. Okay. Um, that people talk about entrapment a lot, you know, that that word gets thrown around a lot. Um, did you feel like that sometimes? No, and here, here's why. First of all, you have to be in law enforcement. Right to commit entrapment. And second of all, we don't create a situation where we go out and say, hey, here's the enticement. Here's the shiny red apple. Come get it. These people all come to us. Right. You know, we are passive. We just exist online. And the potential predator has to make that first approach. And even in something like uh, human trafficking, where we worked with the, you know, L.A. County Sheriff's Department or the, you know, the Sheriff's Department, police departments down in... uh, in Georgia, there's a very strict protocol because after we make TV out of it, those cases have to be prosecuted. Right, and so it's 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 um, it, it's a very strict protocol. And people bring it up. People say I was entrapped, or you know, the other common you know misunderstanding is that if if somebody asks if you're the police mm-hmm. or Chris Hansen that you can't do anything about it, well, that's right. not true. It's just not. Right. And the police sort of don't want to say that because, you know, it's fine. It just makes our cases easier. Are you the right. police? Yeah, we're the police. You know. <laughs> okay. <Cool. laughs> or, or, or are you the police? No. it's They're not committing a crime or committing entrapment by saying, no, they're not the police. Yeah. You know, it's just... But did you ever, even on a personal note, was there times where you were like, man, like, because it's definitely like these guys, a lot of these pedophiles and, you know, and predators, I mean, they're sick, right? There's some really... 
bad people in that mix of 300. But so to he, take cocaine around somebody that like, you know, you, they're addicted to cocaine. They don't have any ability to control themselves. You know, doesn't it? Because I struggle with wondering if it, you know, like even whether it's enticement or entrapment, like what if it is sometimes because I would feel bad sometimes watching. But if it's feel not bad. us. Right. Then it's a real child. I mean, what would happen right. in all these cases, 300 plus cases over, gosh, going on 14 years now. Yeah. And when you think of it, I mean, predators, maybe 10, 15% of what I, I've done over my career, maybe right. 20. Right. You know, but it's just one of those franchises that's yes. gotten all the attention. Um, what would happen if the guy walks in and there is a real 13 year old? I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. We were doing an investigation down in Riverside and it was a, just crazy. We had 51 guys in three days. Mm. And one of the guys that walked in clearly was not 100% intellectually. And he came in, the first thing he wanted to do- Like was, mentally challenged, you mean? Mentally challenged. And I could see that there was a scar, like a carve out on the side of his head where maybe he had suffered an, an injury or something. Oh. And, and, and they meant like a gang or something. No, but it was, it was yeah. an injury. Okay, yeah. Like and, a, a, and, and, and he, you know- was shown in the show, but it wasn't a big part of that particular show. I didn't really go hard with the interview. He left and was arrested and processed. And I thought, you know, there's a guy who's got some problems and, and I'm not gonna make him, make him, you know, too much worse. He was wrong, he broke the law. He'll face that with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department, the prosecutor's office. A month later, we're in Long Beach and lo and behold, the same guy mm. services in that investigation and in fact says, I can't make it on a Friday because I've got a court date from the other Riverside wow. County case. Shows up on a Saturday and in the course of um, him traveling to Long Beach, we find out that he did a year in jail for a violent assault. Mm. Well, suddenly he's going to make the movie. You know, this is a danger. Yeah. And while I feel sorry for whatever injury he suffered and how that may impact his behavior, it doesn't take anything away from the danger he posed. Right. And so he becomes, you know, significant part of that particular investigation. And so you feel like over time you've seen enough proof and evidence for you where you don't feel that you, you're, you feel your responsibility tried and true. If we weren't there, a real child would be. You believe I that? In, I think in many of these cases, I believe that, yeah. Wow. Is it- um, Because, I mean, these these profiles yeah, exist. Yeah, no, yeah, of course, right. right. Those guys the are only already one out, out there. there. You're not right. making them make profiles. Right. You're not, yeah. You guys are just putting something into that universe and, that is something they would be intrigued by. You're not making them drive to a place. And kids don't see the danger. I'll give right. you another example. We did a, uh, some investigating, and I did this in a book called Catch a Predator some years back. And we found a case in uh, Arkansas mm -hmm. where a young woman, great student, was in high school, the daughter of a police officer, was on a Christian youth uh, chat room mm -hmm. talking to somebody who identified themselves as a teenager in San Diego, I think named David, and was harmless. Until it wasn't. Right. When David, who ends up being, you know, well Goliath, into, his, yeah. his, his, into his 40s, shows up in a van, mm. kidnaps her from the home, assaults her, chains her to the back of his van, wow. and kills her. And so this whole panic, um, you know, starts looking for this poor missing missing young woman. And 
tragically it ended up the way it did. But it was a real wake-up call to me, and that's why I wanted to, you know, make it its own chapter in, in the book. Uh, because it's, it's an example of a kid who is doing everything right and got tricked. Right. And that's exactly what happened. He was able to re, to reverse engineer the information. The dad was working the night shift, mm. and there's this haunting um, log of chat where she's talking to her boyfriend. And her friends were talking to this guy, too. It, was right. just, it wasn't like, I want to date you, or what are you doing, or when are you coming to San Diego? Yes, David in San he, Diego. little bit, little bit at a time, was able to get the information, figure out where she lived. Mm. And he had a storage um, locker wow. all set up for the crime, a hotel room, and, and it was just, uh, it, it was horrible. So the risk of possibly, you know, of some exploitation, you feel like that no matter what, that the, that the reward and the, that, that it far outweighs it? Yeah, I think so. And it's also about, you know, being um, ethical about your storytelling. Right. I mean, from the methodology to how you portray someone. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when we do these investigations, whether it's Predator or anything else, I mean, we are absolutely transparent about the way we do things. And mm-hmm. if you say, look, we do it this way, this is why we do it, this is why the police run a parallel investigation and are there. I mean, you gotta remember, the first three investigations we did, uh, the first two, uh, the police were not involved until after the fact. Mm. And it was, number one, socially irresponsible to let them go. Now, the police did make some cases after the fact, right. to their credit. And it was also, from a television production standpoint, um, it wasn't really rewarding to the viewer. And that's not what drives the decision. Why? Because true. the police because weren't the involved? Guy, well, because the guy walked away. Because the guy walks away. You know, we have video of him walking down the street or getting in his pickup truck and going away. Yeah. And yet he's out ready to offend the next day. I mean, the social responsibility is what drove the decision to cooperate with the police. And we, mm. we, we you know, developed a protocol. and So that's true. It wasn't like an element of, okay, we need to add an element at the end where it's like the guy gets gnat. Like it's, you, you actually, it actually came from a place you feel like a social responsibility. It did. And it also- And I'm not accusing you. I'm just no, curious. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just telling you how it went down, which was, you know, we were, we had done the two, we had done the one in Long Island, New York, and we had done the one in a suburb outside of DC. And we were looking to do the next investigation. And I don't know whether they reached out to us or we reached out to them, but we got in contact with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of lawyering and a lot of, you know, uh, meetings went on and, and to do this in the appropriate fashion. And I think we, we've done it all along, both at NBC and at uh, Crime Watch Daily and, and down the road and, and how we you know, distribute the next Hanson versus Predator. Yeah, and what is Hanson doing now against Predators? Like, what's going on in the We're developing, you know, the next the next uh, investigation as we speak. We pretty much know where it's going to be. The team's all on board, and we're we're really just deciding, you know, where it's going to go. And, uh, in fact, some of the meetings I have out here in L.A. revolve around that. Oh, great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was thinking with the Me Too movement, right, mm-hmm. and a lot of that, would you ever consider doing, a, like, a – to catch a predator type of show, type of show in that world, not saying that they're sexual, like uh, pedophiles, but in the corporate space or anything like that? It's in the works. There's a lot of that out there. There's there's a lot of talk about it, yeah. yeah. And, and there are people who would like to, to see me do it, and I've had meetings about it. And, you know, again... It's harder to do something like that. Right, there's a lot of legalities, I'm sure. A lot of legalities, a lot of 
gray. I mean, what's wrong is wrong. I mean, if, if you're a boss, you should not be hitting on an employee or right. doing some of the stuff that uh, those have been accused of out on this side of the country. And Could you say that would be a softer... It would be... Well, I think you would need... You would need to have people come to you and say, this is my horrific story. Okay. And then you would have to go backwards and say, okay, how do we capture this, you know, on hidden camera? How do we prove it? How do we show viewers what happened? How do we take viewers inside the crime? Right. And then figure out a way to do a confrontation. We just can't go, you know, beating down doors in, in private offices around the country, but, you know, there are ways to do it, and, and you know, if if the right cases come along, where you know we know this is what's happening, we know it's wrong, we know it's illegal and actionable, that you know we 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 take a look at doing it. It's interesting, man. Yeah, because I grew up, my mother was, uh, you know, provided for me and my siblings. And so I remember there were times where I know she was, you know, trying to get involved with different business or move up in her ladder. And I, there were just times I even felt as a child that whatever, you know, maybe my, like she'd been taking advantage of her. Like I, even as a kid, I remember getting a specific feeling like a that. Vibe, like, yeah. like a man had mistreated her. And well, that's I think, why I she think wasn't. any woman of a certain age has a story about, you know, looking back on a situation saying, ooh, that was a little creepy right. or that was inappropriate. And, you know, what was accepted in even newsrooms across the country in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s is yeah. just, you know, it's people look at it today and say, well, how did that even happen? Yeah, now, now you couldn't say like, you know, get your, you know, get your bosom up, Rhonda, we got to oh, sell I this remember, weather. You know, you know but- as, as a young, uh, uh, young reporter and anchor, having a general manager walk in and berate my female co-anchor who also did the weather because yeah. a certain part of her anatomy was covering Montana yeah. <laughs> and just in front of the newsroom yeah. and having her apologize. Yeah. Today she'd get a check for a million dollars. Off probably, Montana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it was, it was cruder than that. And I'll, I'll spare your audience right. the, the exact language, but you know, I look back on that stuff and this is like 1981, 82. Yeah. And he, you know, he'd been fired for sure. And here you have this woman who's just trying to do her job. Right. Who's a good reporter. And and she's apologizing because mm-hmm. of a, part of her anatomy was covering the you know the lousy weather map that we had in that market in 1982. I mean, it's yeah. insane to think that that happened. Yeah, I mean, in front was, of the whole newsroom, that map might have had three Indianas on it. Who knows how we cheap don't know that what it was. was. Yeah, it yeah. was it was pretty cheap. As I um, no, it is interesting, and it, but it's also we're in a time now where we're kind of prosecuting historically sometimes in in a weird space right. in the world. Um, so yeah it's interesting it's like things that i would say even 15 years ago or 20 years ago to someone almost anyone man or woman some things it's like man when i watch even old stand-up i'm like man i couldn't even say that oh, right yeah. now yeah i, I <laughs> it, it's uh you know it's changed for the better you know i hope it doesn't continue over yeah i don't think it will i don't think so either i I think it's swinging back a little bit i'm feeling it in the comedy world right i'm feeling things start to like enough is enough like i do think some things have needed to be noticed we do need to notice like you know what a lot of women have been through like even as you said like we were talking in the beginning about like victims like women are are always kind of the victim like or have been the victim a lot of times. Absolutely. And and especially in the workplace. I mean, again, whether it's your mother or, you know, your significant other or your girlfriend or, I mean, everybody of a certain age has a story yeah. that, that looking back, they might have just laughed off or said, ah, ha, ha, you're hysterical and, you know, made sure they didn't get put one-on-one with that person again. Right. But, uh, you know, it's unfair. 
Yeah. Fundamentally. I mean, yeah, fundamentally it's unfair. And I think we're getting to that place in society now where it's like, yeah, it's like we're getting to a place where we're starting to be able to look back at what we've done. It's almost like a comfortable level and a, a comfortability. I think we're getting there. Where we can look back and like see, okay, here are some ways where things could have maybe been different. Oh, hi there. Have a seat. What are you doing here? What's in the bag? That's just me doing my Chris Hansen impersonation. But what is in the bag? Is it a Quip toothbrush? Because I'm here right now to tell you about Quip. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. It's one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. It was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. People often brush too hard, and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. Well, Quip has a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. And I love Quip personally because it adheres right to the wall next to my sink. It adheres under my sink. It adheres anywhere I want it to. It's stylish. It's sleek. Not like those old school electric toothbrushes that were bulky and ran on gasoline. This one is, it's the Tesla of toothbrushes. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash weekend right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash weekend. Support this past weekend. Go to getquip.com slash weekend. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash weekend. Hey guys, Theo Vaughn here, and I just want to let you know about Omax 3. Omax 3 Ultra Pure. It's the purest omega-3 supplement on the market. Do you know that over 75% of Americans don't get enough omega-3s? I do. I knew that. I see people all the time and I'm like, dang, dang, got enough. Omega-3s alleviate joint pain, inflammation, and muscle soreness and make you feel your best, especially post-workout. They also improve mood, focus, and memory, boost brain and cardiovascular health, and more. Many of the top sellers of omega-3s do not have adequate quality or quantity for therapeutic results. Well, Omax 3's Ultra Pure is almost 90% pure omega-3 fatty acids. It's the purest concentration on the market. Leading store brands only contain about 30%. Go to tryomax.com weekend today to get a box of Omax 3 Ultra Pure for free with your first purchase. That's T-R-Y-O-M-A-X dot com slash weekend to get your free box of Omax 3 with your first purchase. Tryomax.com slash weekend. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to the episode. Um, do you feel like, did you have a good relationship with Hollywood? Have you always had a good relationship with Hollywood? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it's, Pretty limited, you know. My relationship with Hollywood is a cameo appearance on um, Thirty Rock or Blackish, right? Or, right. You know, on uh, Will Ferrell's Funny or Die. You know, mm-hmm. I enjoy that. It's it's fun stuff to do. It gets you out there. But I mean, you know, even with your own show, like when you're, yeah. when like like when you went, like did things get weird at the end of Predator? You know, like was there any like issues with Hollywood? Like were they? Well, you'd you'd see it show up. 
as the impetus for uh, Law and Order mm-hmm. or uh, CSI Miami, or you know, you saw a different version of yourself being played uh, in an entertainment world, which is always interesting. It almost and, jumped the shark a little bit. Still today, I mean, you know, I remember getting a phone call. One of the guys who uh, does my security also did security for uh, Saturday Night Live, mm. and uh, Ronnie Knight, who's a former NYPD and had his own security company for years. And I still bring him out of retirement for, you know, oh, that's cool. versus Predator. When do we do it? Yeah. Track him. I just ask him, can, Shout you, out can, Ronnie. You still, can you still shoot straight? That's all I want to know, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, he calls me one day. He said, hey, uh, Bill Hader is doing you tonight on uh, SNL. Wow. So I got, to the, I got to the rehearsal and I was watching and they did a whole thing, the Chris Hansen show, where, mm-hmm. you know, they had different actors on SNL uh, portray, you know, Hollywood celebs. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so they'd walk out and, 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 hater who was imitating me would pop up from behind the desk and they had a band and the whole thing and he'd say what are you doing here you know and uh the 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 guest would say well i i just i came here to be interviewed you invited me on your show he goes what's in the bag i don't know your producer told me to walk out with it you know and so they obviously they pull out the you know the whatever's in there yeah the condoms and whatever else and then he he said you can go well you didn't ask me any questions oh i'm done with you now he goes out and he gets arrested so yeah so i'm sitting in the audience and I, they come out after dress rehearsal to take their bow, and I see Hater, and Hater sees me because I'm in the front row of the, the, the second tier. And he's just like, this. I said, that's fine. I get it. You know, you're all good. <laughs> um, was there, like, as you started to become very famous, you know, because that's happened over your career, and, and you know, fame is a different thing, you know, and like, right. and in my, even in this year of my career, my career is like exponentially increased, right? And to me, it's like, it's, it's, I'm grateful, and at the same time, it's a little alarming because I get scared of my own ego and like things that can happen if I get a wrong idea of myself. You know, um, did any did you start to notice some of that in your world? Like, yeah, just the recognition factor. You know, taking my kids to a baseball game or just you know in general being out in public. You know, especially here in LA, there's a lot of that, and uh, um, you know, New York. Yeah, you get stopped on the street. Uh, but it's cool, but it's also, for to me, it's cool, and it's also scary. How did you kind of interpret some of that? I know you've had a long career. Like, you know, my best friend, I wanted to be um, journalist. We wanted to uh, be broadcast journalists when we were young. And um, and he started in, like, uh, um, in Mississippi, and he sure. went to a market in, uh, you know, some small markets. And then you he made his way, way up, up to, yeah. yeah, to anchor at WWL in New Orleans. Oh, and, yeah. like, it was just neat because he did that process, and I kind of did broadcast from a stage as a stand-up. Right. Um, exactly. But um, but it, once you start to get popular and stuff, people start to – did you start to notice that and feel that? Like, how did that kind of – Definitely. It, it You know, there was – always um there was always some recognition right you know especially the morning after a piece would air uh you know people would stop and talk to you or ask about it or do whatever and 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 very much in law enforcement circles because so much of oh what that's I do interesting is crime you know cop will stop you walking through the Thank airport you. and yeah they would just want to chat or take a picture or something like that but you know we i was with my sons i'm from detroit originally mm-hmm. and, and and i'm back there a lot we uh, Sorry about your lines, man. I know. They've had I know. Well, I was at. Uh, I, we were at the, the Thanksgiving. Uh, oh, really? Day game, yeah. Mm. And beautiful, wonderful seats. Of course, you watch the Lions. You know, do very well against the Bears in the first half, and then yeah, you know, go to hell in a handbag after that. Yeah, I'm a big Barry Sanders. That's, fan, that's a whole. I'm, I am too. Yeah. I'm a big Lions fan. He's from but, Wichita. A lot of people notice didn't know that about Barry Sanders from Wichita. You know, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question. It's kind of interesting, yeah. but um. Anyway, yeah, I'm a Saints fan, so we're doing good this year. But but I've always uh. 
you know, BJ Armstrong, I see him at the gym. He used to play for the Chicago Bulls and he's like a big yeah. Lions fan. You know where BJ Armstrong went to a high school? Mm -mm. Brother Rice High School. Is that where you went? I'm pretty sure it was Brother Rice High School. I, I shouldn't, I went to Brother Rice in, in Birmingham, Michigan. Yeah, but I should it double check that. He's a, he's a super sweet, he's a I have it in nice my mind man. that he went to Brother Rice. He went to, he went to Brother Rice. Yeah, yeah, Brother Rice in Birmingham, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so. He was- In Michigan. Yeah, that's where I yeah, went to. Yeah. yeah, that's where I went to high school. Uh, now he was probably five years younger than me. Yeah, but uh, he was a standout and well known. Yeah, he's always. But anyway, he's a big Lions fan, and sometimes yeah. I'll get to like. Well, I wear all the Lions gear. Well, I mean, oh, we're, that's we're cool. uh, you know, uh, we're Paul and I were sitting right there, and just you know, come on, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, I think people we, in Michigan, Detroit, appreciate it. They appreciate you know seeing me with my gang cutting down a Christmas tree, right? You know, in the suburbs. I think they appreciate being at a Tigers game or a Lions game. And you know, you, you know, I very much have a presence there. In fact, one of the shows I'm working on, one of the new shows, is is a crime based show that's going to be a lot of Detroit. Yeah, and uh, you know, I still feel very connected there. I'm there. That's awesome, the man. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool to hear, man. If there's ever anything that I can do as a comedian to come and do like a fundraiser or something, let me know. Oh, sure, yeah, that's cool. You know, one thing I noticed, we grew up in like kind of like an impoverished area, and we would get more, um, we would get a lot of those sex offender registry cards on our door a lot because a lot of poor neighborhoods can't keep, they don't have HOAs that can like, right. you know, even hypothetically scare off pedophiles and predators sometimes. So I remember being, you know, in a lot of environments where you would have uh, neighbors that, you know, were abused or, um, you know, guys that were doing things that were illegal, you know, and it was a little, it wasn't common, but it was more part of the world in more of like an impoverished area because, there aren't any HOAs, you know, parents are working. There's only a single parent family, you know, a lot it's of a lot latchkey of, kids. Yeah. And it gets, I, I just remember it being kind of scary. So, um, yeah, I mean, if there's ever anything that I can do no, I appreciate to help that. be a part of yeah. that, man, I would gladly come in. Uh, and well, help I, out. I try to do stuff like that for not only groups that, uh, you know, raise money for awareness of issues with kids, but also, you know, the opiate, addiction crisis and, yeah and i try to do stuff for, it's big and, up and in your area else. too yeah it's oh, big yeah. in a lot of america it's big it's it's you know i, I was uh, looking at there were seventy thousand uh, overdoses mm. overdose deaths in america in 2017 and twenty eight thousand four hundred of them were uh fentanyl mm. involved and it's you know more than car wrecks more than gunshots uh, more that's, than that's wild violence. to think, isn't that? I mean, think about that. Yeah, it has gotten so bad that for the first time, the life expectancy of an American has dropped by a tenth of a year. Do you think it's like as humans, we're? Do you think we're running out of like a desire to? engage in life or something do you think there's a bigger thing going on that we're not seeing besides the fact that the medicine itself is addictive well i think it's out there more i mean you know i graduated from michigan state university in 1981 and when i started there weed was decriminalized right in in east lansing and in ann arbor where university of michigan is and so it wasn't a big deal the drinking age was 18 if you want to have a few beers you had a few beers and and uh you know people had you know, pot around the dorm rooms. And nobody, didn't seem like anybody was really abusing it. It wasn't right. this mystery. And then, it, you know, it, it sort of went away with the war on drugs and obviously cocaine and crack. And I watched that as a reporter in Detroit, what that did oh, to, to, to yeah. Detroit and the drug dealers and, and uh, you know, 
That was front lines of that. Chambers Brothers and White Boy Rick and all that. I mean, I'd lived that, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s. That's, you know, that's was cool. right in the thick of it. And, um, and I think with the advent of, of uh, you know, the opiates, I think so many young people follow that same road where, you know, somebody shows up freshman or sophomore year with a, a bottle of this stuff. Yeah. And you're all good with it for a long time. And you keep you know you take one once a week or on a Friday night or Saturday night, and suddenly it snaps back, and it owns you, and you can't get it. You can't get the prescription. You can get it on Craigslist for sixty dollars for two pills, but you know you're trying to stay on the budget that your parents set for you and what you can earn. Yeah, and and suddenly you can't get it, and you're desperate. And so heroin is way cheaper. These kids start snorting the heroin. Then they figure out if they inject it, they only have to do it. Once mm-hmm. a day as opposed to three times a day. And then they're into that. It's almost necessity at a certain point that leads them down. You know, they, that's why they call it chasing the dragon. You know, you, you, you're always chasing that first high. Is that synonymous a little bit, you think, with the pornography and how it can lead people down? Well, I think addiction's addiction, whether it's right. alcohol or drugs or pornography or, you know, any number of things. But I think that this this opiate crisis and, and you know, like, a year ago, we did this story in uh, outside of Dayton, Ohio, right around Dayton in in, in uh, Montgomery County, Ohio, which per capita had the highest number of overdoses mm. in the country. And who's to think? They had Mexican cartel members wow. living in Dayton, Ohio, because it's way safer to be there. And the sheriff's department and the task force was very aggressive. We rode with them. Mm. And literally, they were doing a buy bust. And while the confidential informant was waiting for the dealer to, to buy the heroin so mm-hmm. they could bust him, another dealer came by and threw her a pack and said, hey, try this. It's got my phone number on it. It's cheaper and better. Jesus. I mean, that in a snowstorm. Yeah. In I mean, Dayton, Ohio. That's grassroots marketing. You but know? I'm just saying. But I mean, no, it's, yeah, in a snowstorm. But that's storm. it. That's what's yeah. it's happening. It's happening everywhere, everywhere in the country. Yeah. No, it's it's wild, man. Like you know, like I you know I go to like a lot of meetings and stuff like that, and in the in that recovery universe, and it's sad, man. I mean, it's um, especially when you see young people, you know, and that's the saddest thing I think, you know, even hearing some of your stories is like because you know when it's wild how sometimes I'm still a child in some ways, but in other ways, like you know, at least now I can get a perception of things. I can see what's going right. on. I have a clear view of the world a little bit. Um, and yeah, how susceptible you realize you were when you were a kid and almost how grateful you were that some things just didn't come along that locked you into something that you couldn't. You know, what always strikes me is, you know, the random nature of this stuff Mm. in in crime. This person made a left-hand turn and ended up being, you know, carjacked and killed. This person went the other way and is fine. Um, this person was presented with a, a roommate who had, you know, drugs, drugs. This person didn't. Um, it doesn't make them mm. good or bad, but it just, you know, what if they had not been presented with that opportunity and never took the pill? Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's vexing. And, and, you know, I, I, what's interesting is the level of prescriptions being written for opiates has gone down, yet the overdose is still wow. rising. So it'll be interesting to see with all this education, awareness, treatment, what happens when they tabulate 2018 to see if it's hopefully starts to come down when you do shows like to catch a predator are you do you feel like you are doing that for kids do you feel like you are doing that to is it entertainment 
Um, do you f- just in your own person? Do you feel like there's a obviously there's an entertainment value to right. it? Right. I mean, you know, there, there's no question. Having said that, you know, I feel that I'm doing it for parents and kids. Right. Parents. I understand the ratings value, the popularity of it, and I understand why. And there are undeniably some humorous moments. I mean, you think, uh, you know, some oh, guy, yeah. some guy put together the top five uh, most humorous moments. Yeah, I went through all those this week. And it was it, they're, they're ten million hits, yeah. twelve million hits, something it's like baffling. that. I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> it, people just watch it over and over again. Yeah, no, it's and, crazy. And, <laughs> and people know the characters. Yeah. You know what I do? I do feel like it's deterred a lot of people probably from going down uh, that road of getting caught in the internet and staying indoors and getting into these so. dark circles. I hope so. Uh, and again, it comes back to raising awareness and creating a dialogue. But it still stuns me. I mean, the last investigation we did, I identified myself. I'm Chris Hansen. He said, no, you're not. I go, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. I said, well, look. I get the first investigation I did was in 2004, but I don't look that much older, I know, and I certainly sound the same. Yeah. You know, I may, you know, I may have been off my diet for yeah. a minute and gained five or ten pounds, but I mean, it's Chris Hansen. Trust me. <laughs> uh, you ever thought of opening like a chair store, like have a seat? I thought about yeah. that. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. The second investigation we did, as I mentioned earlier, was outside of Washington D.C., and it was at the home of a longtime acquaintance who was a retired FBI agent. And that was one of the investigations where a guy came in naked. Mm. And, you know, imagine that scene. That's so, the whipped cream guy, too? Was it the same? That was the other naked guy. Okay. That, was in, that was in Florida. <laughs> right so the Washington, D.C. guy comes in, and he comes in naked. And, and uh, you know, I had a, the towel on top of the refrigerator. I said, why don't you wrap that around you? But he sat on the stool. Mm. And uh, so that stool became famous. Famous, and I said, yeah. you, you may want to have that disinfected. So <laughs> the, the fellow, Greg Schwartz, um, sent it to another friend of ours, Danny Dietz, in Detroit, and said, this is a piece of, you know, predator memorabilia. Predator history. <laughs> He's got it sealed in plastic in a, in a closet someplace. Oh, I bet place. a small museum people would go see. I bet a small, if they had a To Catch a Predator Museum <laughs> or the Chris Hansen Museum, I bet people would go to see different artifacts from that type of stuff. I mean, there's just such an infatuation with it. There's such a curiosity. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of other, like, uh, do you think that, after having seen a lot of these people that have these diseases of um, being predators, or, and I don't know if it's, and I might use some of the terminology wrong, right? But do you think that it's a sickness that can be repaired sometimes? I think or, sometimes. Look, I think these guys break down into three different categories, and I'm not a psychiatrist, but based upon everything I've seen and done, and and I've interviewed some of the top people in this field, mm-hmm. and, and one of the problems in society is there are not enough men and women in this field. It's not a glamorous segment of, of, of medical practice. Right. I mean, do you want to be the doctor who spent how many countless years studying to be a specialist and spend your time in, in prisons talking to child sex offenders? Right. Uh, right. People who are addicted to child born. Is that what you want to do? Now, there are some very dedicated people who do some very important work. Mm. And many of them are connected to the U.S. Marshals who, you know, sort of on a federal level are in charge of, you know, monitoring the, the sex offenders around the country. We'd love to have one of those people. And that'd be really interesting, I think. It is. You it might is. be able to set us up I'll, with one I'll of hook those. you up. Yeah, that'd be yeah, awesome. I know a really Thank good guy course. who's based out of uh, uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Cool. But, um, you know, they break down into three different categories. One is, you know, the heavy hitter who'd be doing this with or without the internet and can't be cured. Mm-hmm. 
The second one is, uh, you know, as we discussed earlier, the guy who wouldn't be doing this without the internet, mm-hmm. the 24 hour access, the addictive nature and, and the anonymity. Right. And so these guys get out there, do it, doesn't make it any less wrong, but they get hooked into the whole online culture. And then there's young guys, as we discussed, who are, you know, mopey and antisocial and they're just trying to make some sort of a connection. Right. And if they're 19 or 20 and they're talking to a girl who's 13 or 14, well, in two years, theoretically, it would be legal. Okay. And, and I think they think that way. And those are the guys who get wrapped on the knuckles and prob- probably get never better. do it again. But, you know, we had a case in the last investigation where, you know, a guy walked in and, and, uh, he was 19, but he was a towering presence, and he went in for the hug of this girl, and, and it was it was disturbing. Now, the guy ended up breaking down in the interview and, you know, saying, I'm a loser, and I'm overweight, and mm. I want to be a cop, but I can't do that, and I, you know, I can't make friends. And, you know, as a parent... Yeah, how do you feel at that Yeah, I feel, felt sorry for him. So that's when it turns into me saying, look, you know, as bad as this situation is... You know, go to your parents, get some help, straighten it around, you know, get it, get it, get going in the right direction. And is that genuine from you when you say that to this? Yeah, I don't want to see this 19 year old kid get jammed up. But at the same time, you know, we've got them talking to two different decoys posing as, you know, 12 or 13 year old girls. Right. And if they were real girls, what's going to happen? Right. Right. You know? Yeah, no, look, man, I love it. I love it because this is, you know, that's a question I've always had from watching Catch a Predator and some of those types of things. So it's good to hear, like, it's good to think of putting those things on the scale and think about what the, the which one really, you know, can weigh heavier if it gets out of hand, you know? Um, so to the young guys who are struggling, to a young guy who maybe, you know, spends a lot of time by himself online and he's looked at too much pornography and maybe he's got into some strange spaces, what what kind of suggestions do you do you tell those the, uh, guys like that if there are any listening, you know? Because, I mean, it's a, it just, I think that the, the pornography and that kind of stuff is really, it can be an opiate, you know? And I think there are, therapists who specialize in this too. Yeah. And I think there are programs just for alcohol and drugs. Yeah. For, you know. Yeah, there's sex addiction, sex, sex addiction, and love addiction. And, and um, um, you know, yeah. you see this all the time with these poor women. You talk about being victimized, you know, on these sweetheart swindles. Um, and this is a story that, that, that I've been wanting to do for a long time it is, you know, I'm not talking about a guy who's trying to meet women online who's, you know, saying he's got a PhD when he only has, you know, masters. I'm mm-hmm. talking about somebody who says they're an astronaut when they've got a criminal history. Right, right. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a big difference there. But you see yeah, all the time, and we've, we've done the, you know, the stories where the, the, the these women are, are vulnerable. They're working two jobs to, to, to support their kids. And their only social outlet is online. Is online. Yeah. And these guys know that. And whether it's a, you know, Nigerian-style scam where they're looking for money or they're having them buy electronics and they're selling them, and, you know, we We've seen it all. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a case one time where we were doing the Nigerian scams, and we we set up a a, a drop site, or we're looking for a drop site, and we found one that was in um, outside of Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And we knock on the door, and we posed as delivery guys. It was CH Delivery, and the slogan was we. Absolutely, positively guarantee you're going to get it. You know, <laughs> so we deliver a bunch of packages long there. Slogan. Yeah, long <laughs> slogan. Yeah, so we uh, we we finally get the guy who's getting all the packages, and and we want to get him into a controlled environment where we could do a hidden camera interview. And so I'm in a warehouse office, and 
all these boxes, and I'm hoping he doesn't touch the boxes because they're all empty. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm not really undercover. I mean, I've got a sweatshirt, a tiger's ball cap on, and I'm sitting there, and I said, well, you know, how did you meet this woman for whom you are, you know, taking delivery of all this stuff? And he said, well, I met her online. But he said, you got to be really careful on those chat sites. I said, why is that? He goes, well, that Chris Hansen, uh, you know, he's out there. He's going to no. catch you. And I'm sitting there. I, I said, I said, yeah, he's a pretty sharp guy, isn't he? And I want to say handsome too, but I thought that might have been pushed a little bit. But yeah, this is all on camera. Yeah, yeah. You know, good posture yeah. as well, actually, yeah. the guy. And so we have him back. And another this is time. not planned. This is just uh... this is it plays out. Goes, you know that. And again, I'm not. I didn't. You know, I've done stuff undercover where the makeup people right, will put a that... beard on and they'll make me dirty and messy and all that. But this is, you know, basically with a fleece and a ball cap on. Yeah. And um, he just laid it all out there. And so we had him back again. I said, look, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I am, <laughs> you know, and uh, jaw dropped. And, and I said, we're, we're going to try. And he was an innocent victim. Yeah. I mean, he was getting played. Right. You know, and he had this, you know, this woman was, uh, you know, set pictures and real, you know, looker. And of course it wasn't yeah. reality. It's, it's fake. The scammers had gotten the picture from someplace. And, you know, we traced it back to a, uh, Danish soft porn, yeah. you know, swimsuit site or something that they just clipped it. Yeah, when I used to, sometimes I used to do drugs and I would be at night and I would look at like pornography and stuff on the internet. You know, I did it like I would be by myself and that right. was my kind of thing. Like I wasn't out partying. I would, you know, do some cocaine and stuff by myself at home, right? And my audience knows about this. And so, right. um, and I would find myself, I would, you know, you start looking at escort sites and stuff like that. And then a lot of those pictures, they're not even real. Like it's all, there's just such a scam. There's so much of a, of a scam online. It's such a fake world. Just go to Craigslist sometime. Yeah. You know, and they got rid of the site that advertised, you know, those Yeah, the casual encounters, yeah. You know, but but the, it exists in other places within Craigslist. And, you know, I'm not casting aspersions on Craigslist, but the reality is that, you know, there are millions and millions and millions of people buying and selling things across the world at any given moment. And Craigslist has, you know, 40 or 50 people monitoring it. Now they cooperate with law enforcement. They, they do their due diligence, but it's almost ungovernable. Right. And so when we do a human trafficking investigation, oftentimes it is, you know, um, on a, on a site like, uh, like that. And it's, it's, uh, um, it can be you know, pretty Craigslist intense. Craigslist is, 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 you know, we, we purchased drugs. We found alleged hitmen. We've seen mm. all kinds of stuff. That hitman thing's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um, Try sitting across from him in Bryant Park one afternoon. Really? Have him give you the price list that <laughs> hurt or make somebody disappear. Really? Oh, yeah. It's, it reminds me of Napoleonic Code. I'm from Louisiana. And so there they have, like, if you lose an arm, you get, there's no lawsuit. Like, you right. get 40 grand. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's no, it's like pirate law, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, you lose a thumb, that's 11,000. We're not going to court. Right. Come pick up your check. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of one, uh, one other question that I had that was specifically, Nick, is there anything else that you think of? Uh, I was just wondering if there's any people that you're fans of that you found out were big fans of you and the show and like, or, like, massive fans. Yeah, have you ended up in any wild, like, has somebody said, you know, Chris Hansen, I want you to be at this event, and then you're like, next thing you know, you and Mike Tyson are playing, you know, squash together? Uh, you know, I've met some people over the years, uh, you know, celebrities and such, who, who one who I, I won't embarrass, but uh, I was at uh, the U.S. Open once and, and uh, sitting in a nice, you know, box mm-hmm. suite type setting, and, and uh, I'm a big tennis fan and, and, and try to play as much as possible, and uh an actor came up to me and he had just gotten engaged. His fiance was there. He pulls me aside. He said, Hey, I got to thank you. I said, why? Well, you know, the girl I dated before her 
she used to get so turned on when we'd watch her show. <laughs> I said, oh, got to help a brother out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, man. Yeah, it's, uh, was there, um, did you seeing the shows uh, and being a part of To Catch a Predator and, and did it adjust the way that you raised your own children? You know, or did it make because you grateful for the way you'd raised your own children? Yeah, I, I, you know, it. Um, you know, th- they watched it with me on the couch. Mm-hmm. You know, and they grew up in an environment where, you know, FBI agents were over socially, wow. judges, other reporters. You know, the. You know, I joke. My oldest son, his first assignment was he was eighteen months old, and I had him in a, a backpack, and I was at, <laughs> I was at a gun and. Uh, knife show in, in Detroit on Eight Mile at the Armory, and you know I had a hidden camera <laughs> hidden in the in the in the baby backpack. It's going to work so, with Dad. Oh, you're going to work with Dad. Way more interesting. What did you guys do today? Oh, nothing. You know, and, and they're all looking at cute baby, and I've got the you know they've got the tri blast illegal you know trigger additions <laughs> to make a, a semi automatic automatic, and then we you know so he went along on that and, and got the video and got back to the car and we're driving back home, and this is in Detroit as I said, and and we're almost home, and and the pager and cell phone goes off and, and, uh, Dr. Kevorkian had, you know, performed a metacide, you know, on the, so we pull in there and, you know, the producers, you know, got him and then I'm doing the live shot for the six o'clock news wow. on a Saturday on another Kevorkian incident. But yeah, so they, they, you know, they've always been around it, you know, and, and so they, I never, you know, said you should go into it. Right. But I wasn't going to prevent them from doing it. Yeah. And it's interesting because one is so behind the scenes, you know, yeah, you and, said one just got his first news or anchor yeah. job somewhere. Well, he, or news he's a reporter. reporter. He's been a reporter for the last two years up in Traverse City, Michigan. For oh, NBC nice. Station. He just got a job in Oklahoma City, which is a nice jump. And That's a cool. Job. Yeah. So, yeah so That's a bigger market. So, yeah. And um, so I'm going to drive out with him, I think, get him settled and get back to work myself. Is it, uh, do you enjoy being a dad? Is it fun? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I have a very cool situation because, you know, I've got, you know, the two oldest are 27, 24. And then, you know, my significant other's kids who I'm very close with are going to be 19 and, and are 17. So, you know, I learned a lot. Right. And it it's sometimes easy. I never had someone who was a daughter before. So it's, you know, the, that's mm. a whole different thing. But it's, it's they're, they're, they're both great. Everybody gets along. It's a nice blended situation yeah and uh you know it's really pretty cool but but you do learn some stuff so when you get a a shot at being helpful or as i say i'm just an unpaid advisor so yeah. you can come to me for advice <laughs> but at the end of the day talk to your mom she's yeah. the one who's in charge here you know? yeah do you um do when you look forward to like uh the future of uh, like um i guess almost <clears throat> a lot of the the guys you called on to catch a predator were men yeah. All. Is there a reason? Well, if you ask the people who really know the psychology of it, they'll tell you that when it comes to female predators, you're more likely to see the teacher and the student. Right. Because the female predator doesn't get off on the anonymity, where the male predator sort mm. of likes the anonymity, and it gives them a sense of excitement. It's like a hunting thing or something, yeah. maybe. Or just, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, man, it's fascinating. After meeting a lot of these people face to face, do you feel like there's just did it make you feel worse about humanity or better about humanity, or did it have any effect on you like that? Well, it's you know, I was on John Stewart's show one time. He said, you know, what do these guys have in common? And I said, what they have in common is they 
typically don't stand out in a crowd. They mm. don't have, you know, the word predator emblazoned on their forehead in, in scarlet letters. It could be the guy, you know, standing next to you at the grocery store or the dry cleaner. And to which Stuart said, I'd find another dry cleaner But they don't stand out of the crowd. Yeah. You know, it's 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 guys who, you know, have darkness within them who are committing this crime. After doing stand up for about fourteen years or whatever I've been doing it, you know, um, I start to get a sense of the crowd when I'm there. Right. I can tell in the first couple of like moments, like where the laughter is coming from. If everybody's having a good time, if people aren't, I can get a vibe if somebody in the distance is like um, starting to pay their check, or if they're in, them and their wife even aren't getting along. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you really get some kind of keen senses. Do you start to have those senses when you're just out in the regular world about Absolutely. sexual yeah. predators and pe- like people that might be deviant? Well, that's tough to do. I mean, right? It is tough know, to do. But do you feel like at at moments that there's any because the I, I do can only build in you because yeah, you've had that much experience. But honestly, I can't decide whether it's just me being right. You know, overly suspicious of somebody who may look overly suspicious, or you know, whether I'm just you know reading it into something. You know, but but I do know what you're talking about in terms of the vibe because you know I give a lot of speeches and and and, and do a lot of fundraisers and. You know when you're engaged. I mean, yeah. You know when you're on a roll. You know when you own them. You know when you you know you lean into the bike and people are listening. Yeah. You know, and 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 it's you know you have to remember that when you're doing the broadcast, when you're doing an interview with somebody, and you know take them on that journey of discovery and kind of just get in their heads and you know peel it away like an onion. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just. Uh... Have you ever been like at a dinner party and a man's come over to you and said, hey, Chris, I'm having a problem like on a side or something like that, you know? Frequently, I'll get people approach me in, you know, public settings and say, or even, you know, on on, uh, um, the internet, on uh, social platforms to say, I was victimized. Oh, wow. And thank you for the show and and, and it probably makes him feel comfort been. in some way. Maybe. Well, it does. And you end up hearing all about it, whether it was a, you know, a priest thing or, a, you know, teacher thing or, you know, stepfather thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, on one hand, it's like, okay, you know, I'm glad we're able to be helpful. And, and, you know, they're, they're just really reaching out to say, you know, it soothed the pain a little bit. Yeah. And I just can't imagine, God, you know, being victimized that way or having a child who is victimized. I mean, it's a dark arts, man. I'd come unglued if it happened to a loved one. I mean, honestly, I just, I don't know that I could be the guy who just stood back and, I mean, it it would just. Yeah. I mean, it's wrong that it happens to anyone. Right, of course. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, You know. Yeah, you're trying, yeah, how you would feel if that was in your world. Yeah. 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 No, it's striking. I mean, it's a huge thing. I think it's why, you know, it's a dark, it's such a darkness. I think that's why, you know, like you're saying, it's so fascinating to people. You know, it's just such a, it's such a taboo kind of. Well, and you know, most people thankfully go through life without being the victim of a crime. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I, I get accused sometimes of, of, uh, creating fear amongst my loved ones about, you know, coming and going and parking lots and, locking doors and you know the usual stuff but you know i've seen some random stuff where people in safe areas get victimized just by being at the wrong place at the wrong time yeah and it's not always a you know a a, a diabolical serial killer like in the movies i mean it's 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 just just chance kids who are take advantage and make a wrong decision and, and suddenly they're they're criminals um do you uh do 
people, I'm sure you've had an instance where you just like went to sit in an area at an airport or something and some dude saw you come and sit near him and lost freak, just got super scared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like people must think anywhere you go that you're about to bust somebody. I mean, uh, (laughs) you were standing in the lobby at at Discovery, you know, on Third Avenue in New York City, you know, with my roller bag that's sitting right over there. Yeah. And uh, you're like, wait, what? I remember one time I was looking, I was, I was years ago. And it might even have been before Predator, but we had just done some hidden camera stuff. And uh, I was looking at an item, and the guy is showing it to me, and sweat starts pouring out of his forehead. Oh. I said, hey, man, you all right? You know, and I, it was just last minute Christmas shop, man. Yeah. And he says, do you have a hidden camera on me right now? I said, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just, you know, <laughs> like, you know, on 47th Street yeah. trying to figure something out at the last minute. I just need a lightsaber, yeah. brother, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, calm, chill. I just need a massage chair oh, yeah. guy. Calm we, we went, uh, I went to the pharmacy in, in, in the office building and, and and my doctor had prescribed a bunch of different antibiotics that are traveling overseas. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's five different antibiotics and if you were to take them all together, you could get sick or die. But that's not the point of it. The point of it was to have it mm-hmm. and if I got sick, I could call the doctor and say, what should I do? And he could say, okay, take this one for that. And so the pharmacist looks at me and he said, I'm going to fill this, but are you trying to trick me into giving, you know, too many of the wrong things with counterindicators? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I carry this with me. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, approved by my doctor. And, yeah. you know, this is just what I do when I travel overseas, you know. Have you ever gotten to meet uh, John Walsh? Yeah, I know John Walsh. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He and I, I did some work for um, um the National uh, Center for Missing Exploited Children mm-hmm. and uh, was honored to receive a award from them um, a few years back and and got to know John uh, through that. And John does some stuff with LexisNexis and LexisNexis was very helpful to us. You know, we had sort of a uh, cooperative effort on some investigative stories. So yeah, John's a great guy. Is he a really neat yeah, man? He's, he's a good guy. I was actually down in Florida just after that case occurred and, mm. and I just could not imagine, you know, having oh. gone through that and you know, the strain on a, a relationship, the loss of a, you know, a young child. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of things I could survive, but I, I give him and, and, and his wife as well just such great credit for the way they've channeled this into yeah something positive. Yeah, it's re- you know, when you say that, yeah, there was something about them that made it so... Like, you can see, the like, what's going on on his face so yeah. well. Like, it made it so human. Like, it made it yeah. so... Um, and here's a young couple who, you know, had it all. Yeah, starting their life. life down in, in, in Florida, and suddenly Adam's gone. Yeah. And, you know, I, I started in Tampa. I went from Lansing to Tampa after that occurred, but it wasn't too long after. And one of my cameramen was actually working in uh, on the east coast of Florida, when they found his Adam's head floating in a canal, and just God, it was just. And I, he would tell the story, and you could see just being the cameraman out there, it just affected him at such a level mm. that he just never, you know, it was seared into his into his mind. Yeah, yeah, man. I think yeah, I think it just made that kind of stuff just so human to everyone, you know. And especially watching he and his wife, you saw you saw their relationship part, but them still have the foundation. Well, they they held it together, you know. I, I you know. Um, they're as far as I know. I mean, I don't pretend to be, you know, right in contact with them regularly. But, but uh, oh, I thought there was a point. Maybe, and I could be wrong. I thought there was a point during. I remember seeing the movie or reading something where I thought that they, 
they took out like they had to separate from each other at a point because they were just losing their minds. I or think something. they all pulled it back together. Yeah, both of them did. That. What a fascinating. I mean, what a sad story, but what a fascinating story. This is Nick from Maryland. Uh, Chris Hansen, huge fan. Um, two questions or two part question, whatever. Um, these guys always seem to come up with crazy excuses as to why they're there. I guess not knowing that you already know. Um, so what's the funniest or craziest or wildest one that you've ever heard? And then the second part would be what's the craziest thing that's happened that's never been on, you know, aired on TV. Well, I'll take the second one first. Everything has aired. Right. That was appropriate. But there's no one scene that was crazy and wild that we didn't put on. Okay. I mean, we might have had to edit around rough language or uh, rough video or pictures that the predator may have sent. But everything that happened, the viewer saw. Yeah. In terms of the, the excuses... I mean, I've heard them all. I was just coming over to take care of the young woman to 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 make sure she didn't do anything wrong until her mother got home. Yeah, that's uh, a bad one. <laughs> I uh, I thought the house was for sale. I Ooh. said, "Well, who told you the house is for sale?" Well, my friend. I said, well, who's, "What's your friend's name?" <laughs> oh, Roger. I said, "What's Roger's phone number?" And I pulled my cell phone. I said, "Let's call Roger right now and see how how he found out this house is for sale." Oh. And and we had one down in Florida where the guy shows up and he's a real estate executive and. He pulled it again. He said, well, I thought the house is for sale. Mm. I said, so you didn't just write down the number on the sign? And where is the sign? Well, there's no sign. Yeah. He said, well, well, you know, then I saw the young woman and she was waving at me and I wanted to make sure she was okay. Mm. Well, you know, they're talking on the phone. They're texting back and forth. So he walks in and, and I'm reading him the transcripts. I said, you said this to someone who identified themselves as a 13, 14-year-old girl. He said, no, I would never say that. I, 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 my computer's in my office, which is upstairs in my home, and my wife and daughter were downstairs. I said, well, let me read further. Wow. I have to be very careful talking to you like this because my wife and daughter are downstairs. I'm up in my office. And said, oh. <laughs> was there, um, and what was it? Was that both parts of the question? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Was there, um, was there an, is there an, is there an arch nemesis out there that you've always wanted to catch that you haven't been able to? Like that big, like a big fish, you know? Not really. You know, a lot of these things develop as, as uh, um, you know, crimes become not more popular, but, but you know, more active. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sort of see a trend coming, whether it's the opiates or whether it's human trafficking. And, you, you know, you pursue that. If you find along the way that there is a person who is the kingpin of this particular crime, yeah, of course, you, you want to pursue that. But do you have one that swims around in the back of your head where you're like, oh, you know, there's some there's a dark artist out there that I need to catch, you know? You know, there was a story, a case, a series of killings in suburban Detroit when I was in high school and college mm. called the Oakland County Child Killer. And the victims were both male and female. And this one hits home because a family uh, that I became friendly with later in life as a reporter had lost a child mm. in this string of killings. And it was just bizarre and random and, and uh, good kids from good homes. You know, nobody was at risk. And and, uh, and there are theories as to who the killer was, or perhaps there were two killers because there were male and female victims, but they never have charged the case. Mm. And it, it, it has always haunted me. You know, I'd love to be able to solve that. I'd like to get, be able to give the family closure on that. Yeah. And and again, there, there there have been some people identified over the years, and I've reported on it, um, and uh, but nothing ever definitive. No charges were ever brought. Mm. It's sad, huh? Yeah, 
I mean, this goes back to the late seventies. Do you feel a little bit like you have a responsibility to bust people or not? I mean, I, and I use the term bust, like I don't even know, but do you feel like you have a responsibility to catch these predators because you have such a profile in that space now? Like, do you feel like, like uh, there's this ticking time clock, like, you know, even just with your own life and livelihood, I mean, I know you're still pretty young, but even, but, but it's like, you know, I have this platform, you know, and we, and, 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 and because that's a rare platform. It's like, you know, no, you're right. And whether it's, you know, the actual, you know, child predators right you know predators targeting children is a better way to put it or something else i mean yeah i i I feel like i have this currency that i can use and a brand that i can can use to to go route these things out and and i have you know a great team of folks around me who you know want to work and 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 do these things and do important work and it's you know, we, we, it, this is a funny business, as you know. I mean, yeah. I'll go, there are periods of the year where I'm seven days a week, and then, the, you know, you have two months off, That's and then so you're, you're waiting for the next thing. And so it, it's, you know, it can be a little herky-jerky, but it it does weigh heavily on me that, you know, I'm that guy. Yeah. And and while I love my summertime in Michigan, yeah, yeah, I got stuff to do. Yeah. And uh, I got you know, stuff to do. I, I like that. Do, yeah. So, and uh, we're, we're teeing it all up right now. It's Good. A lot of exciting stuff coming up, including more Predator. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, we'd love to, you know, be able to support in any way. Sure. And, I, and I genuinely meant that. Like, I, you know, I've never offered to go and do a show if there's some you guys are doing for fundraising to help with that, with that, something well, like that. I'll and that may be 10 years from now. You well, know? it's, it's, you know, you it, never it's, know. It's, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, throughout my career to meet people in entertainment and, and to, you know, meet people in the music world who, you know, have big hearts. Yeah. You know, Kid rocks that way. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, a, yeah, and, I've, I've heard uh, a lot of And, you know, he'll pick up the it. newspaper in Detroit and see somebody in distress and tell one of his, you know, write a check and I don't want any attention, just send it over there. Yeah. I mean, he, he does this stuff all the time. And yeah. Nobody, you know, he doesn't seek attention for it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It just, I mean, it really hurts my heart when I think about, you know, uh, just kids, something happening to kids and them not being able to, you know, just even realize that life can have joy in it because something like stunts them at such a point, you know? Yeah, it's it could be being a victim of a crime yeah. or, or, you know, there was a, a story in the papers this morning about a kid in Britain of uh, uh, Middle Eastern descent who was, uh, you know, harassed at school and bullied at school and they sort of, according to the story, you know, uh, simulated waterboarding mm. the kid in the playground. And it's like, oh, God, I mean. Yeah. What what makes kids so mean sometimes? And, and I don't the know. whole bullying culture is, is is something that needs to be dealt with too. Yeah, a lot of that. There's a lot of space yeah. out there for you to. There's a lot, you know. You're kind of a shark, and there's a lot of space for you to swim in. You yeah. know. Do you have to be cognizant of your own behaviors too sometimes? Because you worry like that you're going to be under such a microscope though. Like, I think about that sometimes. Like, you know, like shit. If I start talking about something or being in a world, am I going to somehow, in a way that I don't even know, bring that into my own life? Well, I, you know, the truth is I lead a pretty, you know, sedate life. Right. I mean, I, sedate's not the right word, but, but you know, centered at least. And, mm-hmm. and But it's true. I mean, you know, if you are the guy who's using hidden cameras to catch people, uh, you know, you should be aware of that when you're out in public and, yeah. and govern yourself appropriately. You know, yeah. I, it, it's no longer an issue. And when I was young enough to be running around, it, it was, you know, mostly before the internet and cell phones, much less cell phone video. So, um, yeah. but, you know, it doesn't take much to get dusted up if you're not paying attention all the time. Yeah. I, I've watched the show, you know, I've seen it. <laughs> you know, I've watched the show. I've seen the show. I've been in the show, you know. 
Um, anything else, Nick? Oh uh, yeah, there, here's another one. We'll do one more here, Chris, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Yo, Theo, it's Jake from Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, it's weird hearing your voice on the phone. <clears throat> I love the podcast. Uh, keep pumping them out. My question for Chris Hansen is: Which guy uh, that they caught was he most freaked out by? Was it the Indian guy who walked in naked, or was it the guy that they caught twice? Anyway, gang, gang, man, get that hitter. Gang, bro, thank you. Well, I think both. I mean, those two are right on the top of the list. I remember with the fellow who came in naked, the second, uh, uh, the first guy you you referred to. Literally, I was in like a back den of this house, and here comes this guy naked, mm-hmm. and he's moving fast, faster than I was able to get around the. Oh, fast and naked sounds fa- scary to naked, me, right? And this is a guy who was talking about whipped cream and a cat and incorporating all this stuff with the young girl oh, and. Yeah. And so literally, I go to open the door to confront him. Yeah. And he's got his hand on the opposite doorknob. Mm. And so I open up and he sees me and says, whoa, you know. And so, you know, this whole crazy uh, Q&A develops after that. And, and, uh, you know, again, with the towel and he walks out the door with the towel and tries to find his clothes at the back door. And it's nutty. And then, you know, the other guy in Washington who came in naked, the next day, there's all this commotion upstairs with the online decoys. I said, what's going on? He said, remember the guy who walked in naked last night? I said, hard to forget. Yeah. You know? He said, well, he's online again trying to talk to another kid. Wow. And I said, set up a meeting at the, you know, find a McDonald's set up a meeting. So we show up, you know, we leave the house, which is a little edgy yeah. because what if you miss something? <clears throat> That's there? rogue, yeah. Yeah. So we, we go and we watch him <laughs> and the guys get video and walking into the McDonald's and we you know, move in and now I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say, Yeah, you know, cause I got one shot and he runs, it's, you know, it's over. I didn't want to chase him into traffic. And, and you had just car. seen this guy the day before. The day before, right. naked in yeah. the kitchen of this house. <laughs> Damn, so so yeah. he's uh, John Kennelly. So this is a bad second yeah, I remember already. his name, John Kennelly was his name. Yeah. Special guy, 29. He wasn't 29, nor is he that special. As it, as <laughs> so he's coming out of the McDonald's and I'm there with two camera crews and two sound men with the booms. I said, John, startled. I said, you know, I've been in this business <laughs> at the time, 20 some years, and I very seldom been at a loss for words. Yeah. But I don't know what to ask you first. <laughs> I just said it because it was the only thing that came to my mind. I, you know, and, and he looked at me and says, well, I'm getting help. I'm getting treatment. I said, John, I got news for you. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> you remember yesterday, right? Yeah. Last night? And now you're out here again? And, you know, he took oh. off in his red pickup truck. And, and I don't know if they ever prosecuted him in that case or not. I know that they found him trying to do something with some other little kids in a park someplace. Mm. And I don't know what happened after that. But, uh, yeah, those those are two very bizarre, bizarre what do, cases. Overall, what do you think these predators like to eat? Like, they always seem to bring a snack. <laughs> well, they bring snacks and... Obviously, we have sometimes snacks there. Oh, yeah. I've seen you got the little cupcakes sometimes yeah. and that. But Cookies what do they bring? If they're bring, you know, do they have a yeah, food usually, of choice? Usually fast food. You know, we actually got a, uh, a letter from the lawyers one time from Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yeah. Because whatever period of time during two or three of the investigations, that was the hit drink of- Oh, rich people's people. Zima. That was rich yeah. people's Zima. Exactly. So uh, we had this letter saying, please do not- Use our product. Oh, come on. Investigations anymore. (laughs) So, but no specific fast food company really kind of resonated. Was it overall that you saw like. It was just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, and and basically it's whatever the decoy asked for. Right. In many cases. There was one guy who showed up. He was a plumber and he, uh, he brought food for himself, but not for the 13 year old girl. He was (laughs) going to 
Jesus. molest that night. It's like, really? God. Yeah, how are you going to molest somebody that doesn't have any energy in their body? Well, it's, it's just, it's I mean, that's not a way to think about it, right. but it's also like, uh, exactly. yeah. What about Chick-fil-A? Did anybody ever bring that? Not that I can recall. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I like that, and I don't want to think about that when yeah. I eat it. <laughs> um, are there any things that you, uh, What are, are there other stuff that you like to do, like outside? Like, do you have any games on your phone or anything? What else does Chris Hansen like to do? You know, I don't really have any games in the phone or, or do the video game thing. I mean, I did them, you know, when the kids were young, obviously, and they would routinely, whether it was Guitar Hero or whatever, beat me senseless at whatever <laughs> game. You know, I think the last one I played was Pong, you know, back when I was a kid. But, um, you know, I like tennis and skiing and, yeah, you know, being out on the water and, and uh, reading. You know, it's... it's uh, um, I've really gotten into this Peloton bike, though. Have you really? Yeah, it's really, I, and I'm, I'm not. I promise that I'm not. No, getting it's any okay. Money you can talk Peloton. about it. One of uh, our friends, Rod's one. One of uh, the yeah. biggest podcasts also is right through this wall. Um, they're not taping today, but Fighter and the Kid and one of their guys. Uh, they, he's Peloton every day almost. Yeah, yeah, I, I do it pretty much every day because I, I, you know, we have an apartment in New York and then you know home in Michigan. So, you know, in Michigan it just lends itself. It's near a park, and you know, you go for a run and you do the hills and all yeah. this stuff. But in New York, while I enjoy running in New York, and I'm close to, you know, being on a walkway near the river, it just, if I can get 45 minutes right off the bat and it's right in the bedroom and I have to trip over it, you know, going to make the coffee in the morning, I do it. Right. You know, and it, it's, it's, it's a great piece of equipment. It's interactive. You, you can take the live classes or the classes that are taped. And, and for me, it's just, it's a great way to ensure, you know, getting a workout. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love hearing that, man. It's funny. I, I was just thinking about it the other day. Um, when I see my friends on them and stuff, it's like, oh, it's interesting. Um, who inspired? Do you have an, Do you have like inspiration at this point? Do you find like inspiration has changed in your life as you've gotten, um, you know, further in your career? You know, uh, you know, one of the greatest compliments I've ever gotten was, you know, I ran into Mike Wallace one time years ago, and he was still working for sixty minutes at the time, and and he's so good with people, you know. And I said, um, hey, Mike, Chris Hansen, and I was at, with Dateline at the time, and. He looked at me and said, oh, Chris. And I was on, like, goofing off that day right. in Miami, and he was working. He was doing an interview with Lawrence Taylor, I think, who had just written a book. Wow. He's had a wild life. And, yeah. You could and, catch him. And so, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, catch him. Wallace yeah. looks at me and says, Chris, what was it that I just saw that you did? Not having seen it, but he knew how to compliment a young, younger uh, version of him. And I said, oh, was the story on the Stinger missiles the terrorists were trying to buy, you know, you know before 9-11? He goes, oh, it was so good, and I felt so. You know, later wow. I sort of figured out a system of being able to say something nice, even though he didn't have it at the top of his head. But it, it meant so much to me that he would even mm. think to do that. Yeah, you know, and and he, you know, had so many great classic stories over the years. You know, do you feel like a, uh, when you look back just on like uh, the work in sexual predator? Do you feel personally? Do you feel like a hero or no? No, it's you know, look, I, I think it's important. I think we've made a difference. Mm -hmm. um, you know. It built a platform for me to do some of the stories that weren't automatic fits in the format of a syndicated show. Uh, it's given me some leverage to do things that I think are important, you know, that, that you know, are highly rated, but mm -hmm. they're expensive. Right. You know, if you're going to go hang out and do stuff undercover, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. not the murder story where you interview the six characters and you, you put it together with dramatic video. I mean, you got to go get it and yeah. there's no guarantee. I mean, as much as you try to get it set up and you work, you know, side by side with law enforcement. So, you know, something's going to happen that'll, that'll constitute interesting television. There's no guarantee. I mean, there's nothing worse than going out, 
talking your executive producers into doing something, spending the money, yeah. and then missing the guy at the last minute. I mean, we were going after a guy, it's a horrible case where this guy was raping his 11-year-old stepdaughter and did it for like four mm. years, and we did the story, and, and they had let him out on parole. Yeah. Now, they got these nonviolent drug offenders who have been in for 29 years. They want to get this guy out after, you know, far less time. Right. And so we're going to go chase him down. He's working at this plant, and I was going to, and I was all set to get in front of him. I'd driven around it. We'd checked it out, and we're there, and I just, you know, I jumped the gun too early. He <sighs> saw, and his buddy smuggled him out a back gate across you know, and, and I got to call Los Angeles and say, hey, oh, how'd it go? Was it really good? Was it dramatic? Well, it was- 20,000 down the drain today, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or something, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's but, not a good conversation to have. Right. Do you feel, yeah, at a certain point, does it get tricky though? When like, you know, there's an executive, there's a there's a financial push to like get it right. And it's like, you have to, like, did you ever feel like at that point you're you're- you're sacrificing integrity? No, nobody's ever asked me to sacrifice integrity ever. Oh, wow. In, 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 and again, I, you know, I started television in 1981 wow. when I was still in college and making $4.80 an hour, Jesus, you know, yeah. 39 hours a week, and then went full-time when I, when I graduated. But uh, honestly, and I know these questions come up with different syndicates uh, that own different uh, uh, groups of television stations and, you know, are you pro this or pro that? Are you right wing, left wing? But I've never felt it ever. Yeah. In in a, in a lot of years. And yeah, I mean, are there realistic constraints in terms of budget? Absolutely. You know, do we necessarily go around the world that we once did? You got to justify it. Right. And you got to make sure the audience is there. Yeah, it's different. It shows you used to go around the world a lot more. And now everything, it's, I mean, budgets are smaller. You know, and bigger pieces, production companies take bigger pieces. Oh, you know, overall, there's back right. people behind and, the scenes. And who's your audience? Right. And do you spend a year going undercover and going to India to expose human drug trials of something that you know is dangerous, but you caught them doing? I mm. mean, it, it's good TV. It's important right. TV. You win an overseas press club award, maybe an Emmy. Uh, but, you know, where do you put your resources? Right. And that's the, you know, depending on the show... Uh, you know, look, crime is big. Look alive, crime is big. I've literally got four shows in the works. Wow, all crime, and um, I love crime. It's 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 important. It's what I've always done. I mean, yeah. I just didn't start doing this, you know, four years ago because it was popular. You know, do you think it would be more exciting to die of natural causes or to honestly to get murdered? Be honest. I just want a long life. I really. But at I mean, the end, though, I, I think I'd want a long life. Okay, but when you get to the end of that long life, I think about this. Yeah, so do I. But I, I want to die of natural causes, or is there something exciting about getting murdered? I don't want to get murdered. I can accept a horrible ski accident. I can accept a heart attack doing something that I truly was passionate about. Right. But I don't need to, you know, have a cleanup crew <laughs> mop up after me. <laughs> I just think it would be that like, I mean I just watched the equalizer 2 on the plane coming out here so I saw that I've seen more blood and guts today than, than on a normal uh, normal five and a half hour flight um you we talked you mentioned sex trafficking and we had a sex worker in right mm -hmm. and she was upset um and a lot of sex workers were upset when they shut down some of the sites where they were able to sell their services um because you know there's such a big sex trafficking let's stop sex trafficking but then at the same time it was 
preventing, you know, women who were, had been sustaining their livelihood and supporting, you know, families or whatever for a while. Um, do you think that one just outweighs the other and it doesn't matter? I still think women are being exploited. Right. You know, um, that's got to be a tough life. You know, I'm not, yeah, well, I'm not one to say, look, you know, law or, or society should, you know, arbitrate what a woman does with her own body. That's not up to me. But in my experience, seeing this and doing stories and talking to uh, recovered sex industry workers, that's not a pretty life. Right. I mean, you sit there and you talk to a, a 17 or 18 year old who was coaxed into this life at 14 oh, or 15 yeah. years old because she was having a bad day and somebody appealed to her, yeah. uh, her, her weaknesses and exploited that. And a pimp made her feel loved and put her to work and took all the money you know, oh yeah, that's that. Just, yeah, you that's talk true. about degrading, showing up in a hotel room in Cincinnati or yeah. wherever, and you know, being forced into you know doing things that lewd acts. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. This one was she was in her thirties, I think, and so I guess her perception was different. But I guess how these people get into that situation and how that all starts, it's probably. Yeah, I'd be willing to say and go on a limb here that that the vast majority of women who find themselves in that situation are desperate, threatened, or victimized in, in some way that makes them vulnerable yeah. to going into it. I mean, you know, this it's, it's like, you know, the notion of, you know, somebody working their way through law school, you know, that's that's a rarity. Right, I mean, right, right. They, to, yeah, using pe that to these get- These people right. get jammed up in bad situations on whatever level and resort to- this sort of thing is sex trafficking as big of a problem in America? Like, like you know, every now and then, like the live, like far liberal go, you know, it's like they'll just make a postcard that says seven hundred thousand women were abused yesterday. You yeah, know, the it's number like, is. I always caution. I, I sit on boards and am an advisor to you know uh, a number of groups, uh, airline ambassadors being one of them, which is made up of airline employees who. It started out donating their airline perks miles to bring kids in from third world countries who needed extraordinary medical care and, and, and they'd fly them into mm. to the United States for that, that medical care. And then it sort of branched off into educating airline employees to recognize human oh, wow. trafficking when it goes on. So I speak to, because of a lot of the stories I've done over the years, I speak to these groups and, and, uh, and I'm on a panel that helps educate it. You know, flight attendants, but you know, flight attendants will see stuff you know, if you see a guy with with a, a, a you know young girl, and for some reason it's not doesn't fit, they don't look. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you get a sense about that stuff. I mean, you look at and again, I I caution these groups about coming up with numbers and extrapolating things. People say, well, you know, how many predators are online at any given time? And we one time in, a, in a, one of the stories used the number fifty thousand. And it could be 10 times that. But the problem is you don't know because of the ubiquitous nature. And, you know, we got wrapped by some fact checkers and how do you know? And, well, it came out of a speech by a, a state attorney general. And then it was picked up and, you know, confirmed by a FBI agent who worked that kind of crime. And so it, 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 the, the, somebody traced it back, mm -hmm. I think it was NPR, to say, where did this number actually come from? And I did interviews. I was very honest about it. I said, look, this is the estimate that you know, has been commonly used, and I used it too. Uh, I'm guessing that worldwide, it's much higher than that. Right, yeah, especially worldwide. But I, 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 you know, I always caution these groups, don't put a number on it, because we really don't know. What I can tell you is that when it comes to human trafficking, you can take any big event, whether it's a Super Bowl, World Series, 
a Republican convention, a Democratic convention, and I guarantee you a fight in Las Vegas. A dog show, too, probably even. Thousands of women will be flown into that yeah. area and trafficked. Right. right. That I can guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, I think I even see that. I mean, I don't know any of those people, but I definitely see things where it's like, oh, that makes me, it sets off a bell. Like, I'll see things on Instagram or social media. It's like, oh, that's that seems very odd that suddenly, you know. These people are there for some well, We did a sting reason. with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department a year or so ago. And, uh, you know, within 30 minutes drive of where we're sitting right now, in one afternoon, literally had six or eight cases. Yeah. You know, where... And who are these predators mostly that are doing that sort of thing? Is that more of an international type of thing? Well, it's it's both. I mean, you have people who are, you know, importing, you know, vulnerable uh, women from, you know... Eastern European bloc yeah. countries, Asia. Um, you see it within Asia, and then you see you know pimps who are just running local, just small gang at the local mall. Yeah, you know you, you recruit people, and suddenly there's money where there was no money. Before. I remember we did a story in Las Vegas once. We were doing a lot of undercover stuff down there a few years back, and there was a young woman. She had been accepted into Air Force Intelligence. She was good to go. All she had to do was show up. She had passed all the tests. And she was dating a guy who was, you know, kind of living on the fringes, mm-hmm. gangster-wise. And he pulls up in this BMW. He says, come on, let's go for a ride. She goes, where'd you get this? He goes, ah, it's, you know, it's a friend's. Mm. Well, the car ended up being stolen. They put them both, in the, her in the women's lockup and him in the men's lockup. And while she's in the lockup, there's a woman there who works for a pimp in Las Vegas who recruits her. And suddenly she goes wow. from being an Air Force intelligence uh, officer yeah. to being sold on the streets of Las Vegas <laughs> by a notorious pimp. Right. Wow. To think that they would have somebody in a prison, that that's where they would be recruiting people. It was the people. lockup. It was the county yes. lockup, right? Like what a unique... I'm just saying, but think about if she didn't take the ride, she'd yeah. be in the Air Force. Yeah. As wow. opposed to being a recovered, recovering uh, uh, sex trade worker. Yeah, so those small things, that, yeah, it's just, it, it, like you say, sometimes it's just so... Moment to moment, how one thing could happen to somebody in one turn or one car ride or one this or one that. So it really, at, at that point, then you have to just be aware. You have to be cognizant of what's going on, no matter what situations you're getting into. Well, again, it goes back to you know why we do all these stories. If you can get into the mind of a criminal and hear the voice of a victim, you can prevent other people from becoming victims. And yeah. that's really the credo of the thing. Yeah, and I feel it too from this conversation that the risk of of exploitation the risk it i i kind of feel like it does it outweighs you know it, it, it just weighs heavier you know it weighs like it's a worthwhile risk to take when you look at the other side of the scale and see the possibilities of things that can be going on um you know it's interesting man um do you try to stay off of certain places on the internet to try and keep your own head straight yeah i mean i don't go big on it you know i use it for research for stories i i do you know, engage in, you know, uh, promotion of projects and stories. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wish everybody happy Thanksgiving. I'll, right. But you're not dabbling in porn. You don't have, have you ever no, had any issues with that kind of no, stuff? No, yeah. No, no. It's powerful. I mean, it's a lot of young, you know, a oh, lot of guys. Unquestionately. And it, it's, it's, I think 
your age group was more exposed to it than my age group. Again, you know, the only thing we ever saw was, you know, Playboy magazine oh, from yeah. 1973. Oh, those were good. Tame compared to, you know, anything. Dude, sometimes somebody, they would get a perfume thing and would get stuck in a Playboy magazine, right? A woman's perfume thing. So you had like, that was another universe because then you had the, <laughs> you know, the bosoms and you had the scent, you know, you were just like living, oh man, it was like having a stepmother, you know, like a hot stepmother. Yeah, but I, I don't even know how those magazines stay in business anymore, yeah, except, for, except for the editorial part of it, because any young man who wants to see anything, I it's, know. I remember years and years ago, a friend of mine uh, was helping his daughter with a, you know, school project and went to the, I forget, was it? It was on the Wizard of Oz, and he put into a search website, Dorothy, and the stuff that came up. Wow. And this is 10, 12, 15 years ago. And yeah. just, it was like, you know, cover the kid's eyes. Yeah. Just, you know. That like, lion ain't very cowardly yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, huh? it's a whole different uh, um, situation. Yeah, that's wild, man. It's a wild world out there. It's the dark arts, you know. And you well, what about careful. the dark web? Think about that. Oh, I can't even think about that, yeah. man. I can't even, I don't even know how to get there. Yeah. Is there really a dark web? Oh, yeah, yeah, it exists. And what is it? You get into the back of your computer or something? It's non-monitored, really, and there, you know, it's kind of the secret world. You need access and, and, uh. It's like the blockchain or something, kind of, like, in a way. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert. No. I've never been into it. It's, it's, it's something I'd like to explore. Wow. But it's a real thing. It's a real thing. There's no question. I know that. Because I know people who are, um involved in investigating it and dude that makes me scared man yeah because the internet's already dark enough as is you know it makes me really really scared oh take care of yourselves yeah uh happy holidays from us what do you have planned for uh christmas chris uh i'll be back in michigan once i get things wrapped up as you know in this business you know i'm trying to do a month's worth of work in two weeks. Yeah. Because after the 15th, everything pretty much shuts down to the first. So, Have you ever been on Dr. Drew's podcast, Drew Pinsky? I have not. I, I know a lot of people who have. Who I'd know, love to kinda, hear you guys talk. kind of huh? run in concentric circles. You know, a lot of the, uh, Dr. Lisa Stroman, who's a psychologist, a lawyer, who's done some stuff for, for our shows, also does a lot of stuff with Dr. Drew. So, uh, I mean, you know, he's a smart guy with a good reputation. I've done Dr. Oz. You yeah, know, yeah. Who's a sharp guy, and, and that's a that's an interesting show to do. But um, yeah, I've never done that. I've seen that guy at the gym once or twice. But but yeah, Doctor Drew's is fascinating. Anyway, I'll have to reach out to him and see if um yeah, sometime when you're around, if you guys could be in the yeah, same circle, I would absolutely. just love to hear that conversation. I think it'd be really cool. He's yeah. a, he's a special guy. He's a sharp guy. Um, yeah. and so are you, man, Chris Hansen. We appreciate you. I appreciate uh, your time, man. Thanks for having. Thank me. you so much, All and right. we look forward to Anytime. your your yeah. future projects, and we'll promote them however we can to help I appreciate out. That. And you got a quick gift for Chris? Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, if you go, yeah, but this is from our sponsor. This just a night. Oh, that's great. Oh, thank you. So might be some guys after you holding yeah, grudges. Appreciate that. Not today, but just overall, you know. Yeah, well, just you be never safe. Know. And it's even hard to get into. You almost need a knife to get into it. To get it. into it. Yeah, but um but it is a nice blade, man, and and, and, oh, and, thank you. and I keep one in my car just in case. Yeah. Um well, that's nice. How do you open this? Yeah, that's a good. It's just a flap on the front. Yeah, it's kind of tricky, man. It's like Oh, there you go. Yeah. So there you go. But the, yeah, that's a nice little piece and it uh I keep one in my car though. Oh, that's nice. Just to be safe. Um well, it's all, you know, you, you don't use one until you need it and something's messed up or, you know, right. you're trying to... Right, nice. yeah. Thank you very much. I'm not saying break it out, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a switch blade. <laughs> I'm not saying lead with it. Years ago as a kid, uh, a buddy of mine and I were down in Tijuana. I mean, mm-hmm. we were 19 years old. And, of course, we bought 
you know, switchblades and stilettos. And I was digging through a drawer, <laughs> I don't know, a couple years ago, and I found this thing. It's a stiletto. It yeah. still works. And, and uh, I keep it in the drawer in the apartment because it works as a screwdriver and a letter opener and all that. And, and uh, my oldest saw it. He goes, you know, you carry that on the street. That'll get you a year. And I said, I don't take it out of the apartment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I your son is teaching you. He goes, you know, you can get a year for that. I go, not in the apartment, unscrewing a, you know, a light fixture for God's sake. You know? So I, I am to be pretty familiar with the laws, you know, <laughs> yeah. by the way, you know, man, uh, I, said, I taught you everything, you know, now I, you're just <laughs> serving it back to me in bad increments. Uh, Chris Hansen, thank you so much. Thank you. Yep. I got to remember to check my bag with this so I don't get busted. Oh yeah, that's true. That, yeah. We would love for you to get busted. <laughs> with man, so that. great. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Thank you. Now I'm just floating on the breeze and I feel I'm falling like these leaves. I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this piece of mind I found I can feel it in my bones But it's gonna take a little time for me to set that parking brake and let myself unwind Shine that Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Charmaine. Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.